Hey, this is Eduardo Sanchez, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Hi, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 91. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my lone wolf co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh. Jay, want to play a game of hide and clap? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's freaky stuff. Brilliant. Truly brilliant. Josh, I remember when you first saw that trailer and you were talking to me about that, how it kind of like changed your life. It broke something inside of you. Like the little kid that was still alive inside of you, like the little boy part of you was then dead. Oh, he died that day. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. And uh, I had forgotten all about that whole clapping sequence. And we'll, we'll get to this here shortly. But when I rewatched all that again, I'm like, oh, this is that movie. Oh, man. Pretty good stuff. So, Dr. Shock isn't here. He is on vacation. Well-deserved, huh, Josh? Yeah, but I do feel like we should say, you know, that he also had fallen ill recently, and people may be wondering about that. I think we should probably comment on that. He is doing okay. Mm-hmm. But is. if you're a reader of his blog, A DVD Infatuation, I think go on over there. He has a post about his sickness. He's He's on a... Little hiatus. Leave him a nice message. It'll make him feel better. Mm-hmm. And and this is something that we do know for the listeners, and I'm sure he'll appreciate if we say this. He's just taking some time to recover and taking a, a brief rest. But believe you me, <laughs> when he resumes his daily reviews, he is fully planning to just continue every single day until he reaches 2,500, which will be somewhere around June of 2017. Yeah. And for people who haven't heard it, I want to plug your podcast with Dave because it's really good. Jay interviewed uh, Dr. Shock and talked about his DVD infatuation. And it's just a really fun podcast for cinema lovers. And it's fun to get to know Dave a little bit better. You know, we have given bits and pieces of our origin story. You mentioned, I think it was Bonnie, the listener on the last episode, wanted to hear kind of about our early experiences with cinema. Mm-hmm. And we've had that kind of scattered throughout the podcast, but it was fun to get a little glimpse of into Dave's personal life. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and you, and you were, I could tell you were really like, come on, but this has got to screw up your personal life, right? <laughs> like, well, no, no, it's cool. He he was really honest about it though, and I was um, genuinely impressed by that because, like, you know, he he came clean on a few of those questions, and uh, you know, because. Because I just wonder, I just think his family must be really cool with, like, and when I say cool, I mean just pretty relaxed about the commitment. Because, yeah, as people will hear, that takes a lot of time every single day of his life. And as we know, that can completely destroy your own life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, I know it better. Well, you and I both know it better than anybody. It's very yeah. challenging, right? So Absolutely. <clears throat> anyway, so we wish Dr. Shock well, and uh, trust us. He is doing much better. He, he has assured us, and he will return. So if you're waiting for his daily blogs, don't worry. They'll be back, and he's going to finish it. 
So that's cool. good, Josh. So um, did, did you have any other comments on the last show's topic? Like, for example, the thing that I really um, hated missing having your comments on was that that new Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you guys did a fine job covering it. I just think, you know, there's so much uh, Blumhouse paranoia in this podcast sometimes. <laughs> I just wondered if it, if that news didn't get fair shake because the <laughs> Blumhouse stuff was running rampant. You know, I mean, I think it was such big news for the horror community. So exciting to have John Carpenter back. And I know uh, Ian posted on the website um, just today or the other day as we're recording this about some other awesome news that Carpenter may in fact do the soundtrack, that Carpenter's looking to make the budget smaller because he wants it to have some of the restrictions that the early film did. Mm. And these are things that are just exciting me to no end about this next Halloween film. I, to me, I am so glad for Jason Blum. You know, Ian also mentioned, look, like most of his films have actually been rated R. If you break it down, the majority of Blumhouse films are R rated. He says Blumhouse has made 37 horror movies and 28 of them are rated R. So mm-hmm. I don't think we have to be too worried about, about that. I think they're going to definitely make an R rated film. As I mentioned on the message boards, uh, you know, this director is the director of Oculus, which was an R rated Blumhouse film. So I, I don't think that should be a concern for us as horror fans. And I just think it's, Blumhouse knows what they're doing. Their heart is in the right place. And I know that you've had a lot of problems with their films over the years, but <laughs> you know, as much as Jason Blum himself may not be a, a big horror fan, he surrounds himself with horror fans. Mm-hmm. You know, he, everybody that works at their company are these totally legit people from the horror world that he brought in to his company. Their guy who's head of acquisitions and, and their development people. These are all, horror legit horror people that they do their blog now where they brought in writers from Fangoria and all these other horror podcasts. I mean, I don't know. I just think he knows what he's doing and I'm really excited to see what he does here. Well, I hope it's great. You know me. I, I always want every, every movie I see, I want it to be good, Josh. I'm not, I'm not out there rooting against movies. Sure. And then another little thing, um, from the producer of the new Friday the 13th film that I wanted to discuss. That news came out the same day as the Halloween news and kind of got overshadowed a little bit. This is not as big a deal, but Platinum Dunes is making a new Friday the 13th movie and the director or the producer, Brad Fuller rather said the reason it hasn't come out yet is because he really hated the direction it was going and he wasn't going to allow them to release, make a bad film essentially in his, in his opinion, he said that they wanted to make a found footage Friday the 13th film at the studio level. And he was trying to block that actually. And so now they're back to making a film. It's going to be produced by Paramount. And he, according to Brad Fuller, you know, is making the best film possible. The writer is the guy who wrote prisoners that they brought in to write mm. the new Friday the 13th film. So okay. I think it could be a, a serious little run here of really quality horror films that, you know, harken back to the good old days of 80 slashers. Oh, that would be great. And when you said that about the whole studio thing, so were they trying to make a, like uh, a film by committee that was going to be just uh, found footage? <laughs> 
I mean, he he made it sound like they were really pushing for a found footage movie. It was a short piece. It was an arrow to the head, which is JoeBlow.com's horror uh, arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people want to find it, we could put a, a link to it. But he he didn't say a whole a whole lot. They they were interviewing him about the new Ninja Turtles movie. Um, <laughs> but he talked about Friday the Thirteenth in there. Okay, well, yeah, because. I saw the new Ninja Turtles movie, <laughs> and I would have been trying to talk about anything else as well. <laughs> Speaking of disappointments, Josh, and thanks to Jody B as well. Jody B discovered this, and I also discovered it because I actually sat down and tried to watch this. The Alice Sweet Alice remake, supposed remake, is actually not actually a real film. It is the original Alice Sweet Alice that is on Amazon.com. And they just put on a different cover. And Amazon, for whatever reason, labeled it as a 2016 release. And it really ticked me off. And changed the name a little bit. Yeah, they they, they called it Alice Sweet Alice Communion. And actually, Communion was the original name of that film. The 1976 version. So that is the 76 version. And I did want to just say here on the podcast, by the way, (laughs) as if I haven't plugged this film enough. But if you do rent this and want to watch it on Amazon. That would not be a bad choice because I tell you what, as a great little slasher film and I love it very much. I was just excited to see if we we're going to get a good remake of it. Absolutely. Okay. So Josh, I'm so intrigued. Like on our little docket here, you mentioned something about our uh, social media and our community. And you had a number of things to talk about under that heading. I'm so intrigued. I can't stand it. Sure. One of those actually has to do with the last episode still. And so I just wanted to touch on that. A few people had mentioned that they are kind of up for this extreme horror challenge that you kind of put out there last time (laughs) uh, that they wanted to try the scary movie thing. And that's something, you know, that I love doing. I am so passionate about regional film watching. I wrote a little blog of this back in the day when I was trying to, <laughs> to up my web content through blogging. <laughs> um, but I wrote a, a little post on my Icarus arts blog called regional film watching. And it's just essentially just about how whenever I go anywhere, I kind of try to watch movies that orient toward that location. So if I'm in New York, I watch a bunch of Woody Allen movies. When I was in Spain, I did an Almodovar marathon. Uh, If I'm on a train, (laughs) I honestly, I watched Murder on the Orient Express on my iPod in a train across Europe. That's just like the way I roll. (laughs) Yes. And I just recently got back from a road trip uh, in the Pacific Northwest and everywhere we went, people were like, should we watch a movie tonight? I have, I've got some with me. And it was like Cabin in the Woods. Right. I had uh, The Edge, of course. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Now I'm blanking. Oh, The River Wild with Kevin Bacon and oh, Meryl yeah. Streep. Yes. <laughs> so I just had all this stuff on hand. You know, Grizzly Man, that's a good one. So, yeah, uh, that's the kind of thing I like to do. And so we had a couple of listeners write in uh, about things they'd already done. Mm-hmm. And and I challenged you, actually, as well, Jen. I think we should talk about that briefly. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Tell them what the challenge was. So my challenge to you is to watch the new short film, uh, Lights Out, which they're, they have turned in now into a feature film starring Teresa Palmer, and to watch it in the furthest away you can from your bedroom, have the light off in your bedroom and the light off in the room you're watching it on with the door creaked open slightly and some of the light from the hallway coming in. What I want you to do is have all the lights on in the hallway between <laughs> those two rooms, because this is, this is, happens to me 
often since I saw that film that I'm the last one awake mm-hmm. and I've got, I have the task of walking through the house and turning lights off as I walk down the hallway, go right. upstairs. And I, and because of the film lights out, I hate that experience. I just hate it. Yes. And, uh, and I want you to wa- do that. I want you to watch the film, watch it in the dark with the door creaked open, the light coming in and then have to go and turn off that light and then walk down the darkened hallway. Turn off the next light, walk down the dark. And yes. It's terrifying. And then I want you to get into bed, mm-hmm. turn off like your, you know, whatever you're using for light there. And then just lay there in bed with your feet hanging out of the sheets of the, I want to make sure that your, <laughs> your feet are exposed oh, man. as you try to fall asleep. There's no way, dude. There's no way <laughs> we'll be able to fall hilarious. asleep without hiding under your covers. I promise you. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, so I, I have several things to say about this, of course. Okay. And I love it, by the way. I, I love this challenge. And you've been trying to get me to watch that short film for a long time. But once I found out it was being released as a feature film, I, I wanted to watch the feature film first in case, you know... The yeah. heart of it is contained in the feature film. I want to experience it that way first. But I will I will take your challenge. I will do it. Now, here's why. Now, I don't get scared super easily, Josh, usually. But <laughs> here's why sure. I have some trepidation about your challenge, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I have that thing that we've talked about before where you're going to sleep and you're half asleep and you're half awake and you actually see stuff. <laughs> and, and I did see the trailer for Lights Out. And and I saw, you know how you see the image of the the woman and the silhouette in the darkness? Sure. And well, I mean, I see stuff like that all the time <laughs> when I'm half asleep. Now, that's going to be really problematic for me, I think. <laughs> so based on what I have seen of the new film, I actually think the old film's scarier almost because of its crudeness. So I think you mm-hmm. watch the trailer and they've kind of upped the production values a lot. But the old film was just made by a man and his wife in their house. And it's so scary. Like, And it's very simple. I, there's nothing to spoil for the feature film. I guarantee you there's nothing to spoil. There's more in the trailer than there is in the short film because the short film is just the concept. And I, and I wrote this okay. in a message to you on the website. And Juan also piped in here. He said – this is Juan. He says, there's literally nothing that could be spoiled. The short is just an exercise in tension. No plot whatsoever. And then he gives you an additional challenge here. He says, just stop making excuses. Man up and watch it, Jay. <laughs> okay. I will. I will. I'm not, I'm not scared. I'll totally watch it. I, and then uh, one other listener wrote in here about his experience. This was from David he says, I agree that horror movies are better when submersed in the experience. That's why when we had a huge blizzard in January, I watched The Thing and The Shining. They're the best movies to watch when you're snowed in. Oh, one more, one more to that, even yeah. though, it, and you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I, I don't The ones that <laughs> I say, the ones I always watch in that circumstance are Storm of the Century. Yes, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> and Misery for me as well. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was funny that three of those are Stephen King stories yeah yeah um but i recommended he not watch Dreamcatcher because that's although it looks cool and the cast is great and the poster is amazing it just doesn't have the same effect as those other ones well my thing see when i know that a blizzard is coming which yeah that, that hasn't really happened to me as much as i've lived in utah but back in west virginia we would know things like that we would know we were going to get snowed in and that's when I would want to watch Storm of the Century because it's yes. amazing to be snowed in 
yes. watching that puppy. Even though it's not like super scary and it still feels like a TV thing. I don't care. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it delivers the goods. Yeah, it's just it's just the uh, atmosphere for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so here's a little campfire tale from one of our listeners about his time, you know, attempting something like this. Okay, <laughs> okay let's this is from Greg. And Greg says, in college, my buddy Dustin wanted to watch a scary movie and be really scared. So I suggested The Exorcist. He rented half a basement. I guess this is where he lived. It was divided in half with a hallway. So he set it up so that his TV was just in the hallway. Gathering some comfortable chairs, we had it set up. His roommates went out drinking. The house was empty. It's late, dark, empty old college house. Dank basement, plenty of echoes. Yep, ready. Two and a half hours later, the movie's over, and we're both freaked out. I had to work the next morning, so it was an early morning, and he left. The next day, I got a phone call from one of his roommates. When they had got back to their house, the front and rear door were both blocked. Dustin was sleeping on the couch. Every light in the house was on. He had a baseball bat and a large kitchen knife by his side. Oh, yes. Tears rolled down my face with laughter. A 6'2", 200-pound man was scared out of his mind. Nice. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it'll do that to you. Honestly, like, <laughs> I know. And see, for me, the, this whole extreme horror watching challenge, <laughs> it, it, it's, um, let's <laughs> see, I, did, I was going to do it with The Conjuring, just so I could report back and do it with this. But I, I, I don't like doing things like that with um devil movies, <laughs> just because... Just because. Just in case. Well, it's not as much that, but like, it, because <laughs> I am a believer in such things. Absolutely. I, I don't want to take myself um, near that realm like I'm inviting it in like some kind of weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> just in case. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, say you're saying just in case. Well, I'm, I, no, I, I, do, I legitimately believe that if one, like, like they talk about in The Conjuring, like you brush up against something like that. It's kind of like yeah. sticky. It sticks on your shoe. And I think that is an actual phenomenon. Like I believe that's true in the universe, Josh. And so, so like if you were presented with an Annabelle doll, you're not going to pick it up. Well, it's like the one in the movie or the actual yeah. Raggedy Ann Annabelle, like the well, real life. Well, whatever. I mean, because because if I, someone I, says to you, "This is uh, what is it? What do they call it? Like a portal for evil or something like that?" I, I would I would have you filming, and yeah. then I would take that raggedy Ann doll and rub it on my groin, <laughs> so we Whoa. could get lots of hits. <laughs> not, not in a sexual way, but in a disrespectful way. Of course. Anyway, <laughs> I have a, a little weird there. I have, other, <laughs> I have other kind of dolls for that, but anyway. One last thing I wanted to see if you wanted to discuss more in depth before we got uh, further into my weird tales I'm about to tell you about social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we want to talk about the PG-13 versus R-rated controversy at all? Because there was a bit of an uproar on the message. Oh, I know. And there has been. And what what I believe about that, Josh... Is that that is brewing for an episode? We've actually gotten requests. Mm-hmm. I've gotten emails requesting that we do just such an episode, and I think we should. I think that's like full blown episode type material. What say you? Absolutely, man. And there's also been a, a recent because of the Mr. Boogity uh, discussion, some interest again in our horror for kids episode, which I'm very excited about. 
And I just yeah. want to say to Bonnie, I was a big Mr. Boogity fan as a kid. And I think if you go to the message boards on horrormoviepodcast.com uh, for episode 90, you'll see several of the listeners left their thoughts on Mr. Boogity. So <laughs> I just want to say to Bonnie, Boogity, Boogity, Boo. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and the other thing is, Josh, so the, the library at your mercy thing um, – I, I'm actually genuinely excited about that. I don't know how much that excites other people, but I think that's a, a really cool phenomenon. Have you had that experience yourself? Um, not quite as much. I have heard from people all around the country that they found clean flicks at the library, so that always makes me happy, and, mm-hmm. and I always find that odd. But um, the library in Orem, Utah, which is nearby here, has one of the best movie collections ever, and it's a great place to rent movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, it might be fun for us to go and meet there sometime and talk about what's in their collection. That yeah. would be kind of cool. But um, anyway, I, I'm just kind of excited about people going to their library, seeing what oddities are there and saying, well, what about this? Like, for example, I remember the Ohio County Public Library in Wheeling, West Virginia, that has Carnival of Souls. Nice. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> That's weird. Okay. You know, like it's just weird what they have at libraries. Did I, you know that was filmed in Salt Lake? I, I well, I had learned it oh, gotcha. since we um, you know, have been horror podcasting. Sure. So probably learned it from you, in fact. Maybe so. But anyways, okay, so get let's let's hear the social media stuff because I'm very intrigued. We have a really great listenership mm-hmm. and I, I love our listeners and we have great interactions with them. Mostly at horrormoviepodcast.com, but lately more through social media as well. And on Twitter, you know, I'm in like frequent contact with more than a dozen listeners. And there's like 10 of us or so that are in like a private message group and are constantly messaging each other. And it's just a fun part of my day to be um, connected with our listeners. So here's an example. Today, I was at a gas station. <laughs> and I was walking past the DVD rack. Yes. And I see this movie. It says house at the end of the street, unrated. Mm-hmm. And this is fear thy neighbors. The tagline. It's got Jennifer Lawrence's face on it. It was three ninety nine. So I jump onto Twitter into our, that little HMP group. And I'm like, quick, anybody seen house at the end of the street with Jennifer Lawrence? It's three ninety nine. I'm at a gas station, <laughs> a PG 13 horror film. Okay, well, this is the unrated version. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So immediately, I hear back from Dino, Juan, and Gareth Young, all and and Sal, all giving me their take on this movie, which is awesome. <laughs> yes. That while I'm at a gas station, I can get this intel that I need to know if I need to buy this <laughs> truck stop bargain bin movie, right? And that's valuable intel, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. None of them liked it, who had seen it. Right. So instead, I opted for The Mummy Lives starring Tony Curtis. So <laughs> That's one would. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that that really helped my day out quite a bit. So that's kind of fun. Um, though, you know, recently, and, I, and I'm telling this to you with such great trepidation, Jay. I, if you haven't noticed, I'm beating around the bush. Because- <laughs> yeah. Like, well, when, when I saw that it was titled Hate Mail, I'm like... Oh, here we go. Back to Horror Palace days again for Jay of the Dead. <laughs> well, it's not Jay. This is this is directed at, at Wolfman Josh this time. So Okay, um, I feel much better about that then. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you this because I think I may have lost us, legitimately lost us, at least two listeners, maybe three listeners, just in the past week. 
how? What happened? I'm sorry. No, what happened? I'm so intrigued. You no, first of all, let me just say this. Whatever it is, whatever you're about to tell me, like it can't be more offense than I have caused in the horror community and in the filmmaking industry. Like I've offended by giving your top ten list. Well, yeah. <laughs> Simply by doing that, I mean, I have offended and upset so many people. And in, in fact, we're we're having this this meetup that we're planning in September, and um, I, I seriously am I just wondering heard about this for the first time. When you I, I've been this. I've been emailing you about this now. I here's the thing, Josh. I'm wondering. I'm like, okay, is somebody gonna hit me? Like, like maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody's gonna hit me. But anyway, go ahead. I want to hear this. Well, this kind of gets to the heart of the larger question I had for you because you're someone who sees the listeners as friends, right? Yeah, I, like, I genuinely mean that. And and by the way, if you guys are like, whatever, Jay of the Dead, you're hardly ever on the message boards. Ask ask like my best friends in the world how often I talk to them. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I You know why? Because I'm like either watching movies or recording or editing freaking podcasts. That's what I do. So anyway, go ahead. I remember back in the movie podcast weekly days when I was on that show. I don't mean to say that they're over movie podcast weekly is going strong, doing well. Uh, But back when I was on the show, I remember the first time it was your birthday and we had (laughs) what you referred to as Jason's birthday bash. Yes. And big birthday bash. Yeah, And it took me off guard a little bit because you said, not only are you my fellow podcasters, my best friends, but also the listeners are my best friends. And this is my actual birthday party. I'm not being, you know, facetious about this. This is my actual birthday party. <laughs> for having it on the podcast. Live. Yes. Live. And, and they were invited. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we recorded it, of course. But when people <laughs> listen to that show, they were at my birthday party for real. So I thought that was insane. I'm, I'm revealing that to you now, late, much later. <laughs> That I thought I'm dealing with a crazy man here. Right, right. <laughs> but in the intermittent, in the years since, I've grown to feel similarly. You know, when you put something out into the world that you work so hard on and the person you're married to doesn't care, none <laughs> of your real life friends care. Right, right. You know, like so few of my friends actually listen to any of the podcasting I've ever done. I can count them on one hand, how much of people I know in real life actually listen to the podcast. Me so when too. you have these people who are giving you great feedback and you're having these great interactions with them, they really do kind of become your friends despite having not met them in real life. But it's a tricky thing to navigate in our digital world for guys who we're not millennials. I'm Gen Y. I don't know where you consider yourself. In what, what's 1976? I don't know. You're either Gen Old. Y or Gen X, maybe. You're you're on the precipice there. You're on the d- dividing line. I there. think I'm X, actually, okay. but okay. But anyway, you know, we're not the digital generation necessarily. We're kind of the precursor to that. It kind of hit when we were going into junior high and high school or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, to me, I still feel weird about it. Like, I... You know, when I was dating, online dating was still something that people thought of as super lame and a joke. And now it's totally normal for people to be on Tinder and right. all this stuff, right? Right. So I don't know how to negotiate these relationships. And I mean, dead honest, like it's weird. And like I've got, I just happened to have two accounts because I had my business account where I was doing Icarus Art stuff with and I had my personal account. And so it's been very easy for me to say, like, okay, like, Icarus Arts is how I interact with <laughs> fans, yeah, right? Yeah. And then 
a personal account, I don't I don't approve people unless I know them in real life. Well, that's the one where you send them naked pictures of yourself. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Got it. So, Got it. you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, like, my personal Instagram is just pictures of my kids and stuff. It's not, you know, I'm not, I don't want random people having access to that, essentially. I right? understand that, too, by the way. Like, and, and it's, it's no offense to anybody that might follow, but it's like, man, those are your kids. And at the same time, like, the listeners who I have the most contact with, I honestly consider them my friends. Like, mm-hmm. just as much as any of my real friends. Yeah, seriously. And when he says real friends, guys, don't be offended. He just That's means, just me being old, not... He means, like, digital generation, f- right? flesh and blood, blood people that he encounters frequently, right? Like, is Absolutely. it... Okay, okay. So, like, did it change your relationship with GeekCast Rye when he came to Utah? Do you feel differently now having met him face-to-face than you did having podcasted with him for a year i actually like him better online than in person (laughs) (laughs) and and, and i'm not even shy about saying it because like even if i mean i would tell him that right now because the thing is first of all he is a mountain of a man and he looks very young he's a specimen and so he's a little bit intimidating it's a little bit irritating and um and he's like the cool guy in the room. You know how like when you're in high school, I mean, you were probably the cool guy, Josh, but I'm just saying when you're in high school, there's always some guy at the party who got all the attention. He was the cool guy in the room. Okay. Well, that's actually Ryan. But when we're on the podcast, he has the co-host podcasting etiquette where he knows that, okay, we're on Movie Podcast Weekly. I'm yes. the host. And he like hangs back. But then if I visit him on GeekCast Live, I know the podcasting etiquette. I hang back. He's the host. But in person, there is no getting around that he's the alpha male and I'm not. So I like him online. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> so my So as much as I am kind of have a little bit of a phobia around the online relationship, in real life, I am someone who has zero boundaries, right? <laughs> So, like, you know this about me, Jay. Mm -hmm. Like, when you say something about your personal life, I have no issue immediately giving you my advice and my opinion on the most private personal things going on in your life, right? Like, that's just, that's what I do. Yeah, it's, yeah, you do. You do. And I I do it even knowing why I'm doing it. This is really bad form, but (laughs) I, you know, it's just, I can't help myself. Like, when Dave had his health issues. <laughs> yes. All, there were there were four of us on that email. It was you, me, Dave, and Joel from Retro Movie uh, Geek. Retro Movie Geek. And so. Forgotten Flicks, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And all of you guys were very you know, professional, I would say. Like in your responses, <laughs> you're like, yes, we hope you get well soon, Dave. Take care. And my response was Here's a diet you could follow. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like I gave him a paragraph of medical advice but it was very helpful it was loving it was out of a good place you were just friend to friend you were sharing what you know and you happen to know a lot about this particular subject so uh, you know i knew what you were doing and i admired it so so i I have an instant familiarity with people that i let my guard down with once my guard is down i pretty much am feel free saying anything to you. Yeah, I can, I can attest to that. One of my biggest weaknesses in life, honestly. But also a strength in many ways. Because you know what, Josh? Here's something I could say about you. I always know where I stand. Like, like you know, because you, you are a straight shooter and you'll tell me what you feel. 
So that's so anyway. The, the uh, this is I, I hope still interesting podcasting to everyone because we're talking about like current events essentially, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the cutting to the chase. Okay. Cutting, cutting the fat down to the meat of the matter. Oh here. yeah, like you're gonna tell me how you lost us listeners. That's right. Okay. I mean, I basically I think I crossed that line. I think I went too personal with a listener. And look, I'm going to be honest. I felt awkward about it when I was typing it, but I was just trying. I'm like, I don't know how you're supposed to navigate online relationships. Like I've don't, I don't do this normally, but I like this person. And so I want to like, were you like, Hey, Chris excess, your girlfriend's hot. Like, was it like that? I'm trying to think if I would (laughs) not do that. I think I would do that. I know. I'm sure I've told Dino that his wife saw it before. I I bet she is because I I understand that he's a muscular Italian man, by the way. And Juan has told me that my wife is hot. So that's fine. Very cute. Yes. But anyway, I, I am just, I think I crossed that personal boundary line where like, I realized I actually don't even know you, but I said something kind of personal and then I just never heard back from that person again. It's been like two weeks, right? <laughs> so you kind of so, weirded him out a little bit. So like after like three days, I was like, ooh, that was kind of weird. Maybe I should say something else. So I typed like, sorry, that was kind of weird. <laughs> Still didn't hear anything back, right? <laughs> That's the first listener I'm pretty sure I lost. Like- that listener... That listener's parent is also a listener of this podcast. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that listener's parent had also friended me on Facebook. And then I think they unfriended me. So I think I actually lost two listeners from the same weird interaction, right? Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) The third listener I want to tell you about. (laughs) This is confession time right here. This is all also, by the way, within like three days of each other. So I'm really just like feeling lousy about myself. I'm going to have to change the password to that Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't do this on your Twitter. Okay, good. This is all for my personal Twitter. Okay. I got you. (laughs) Um, So on the uh, horror movie podcast, episode 90 is released. Mm -hmm. And one of our listeners responds to your tweet about it and says, no, no Wolfman Josh, more Dr. Shock. Oh, yeah, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, oh, no. Well, and then I tweeted that person an emoji of a middle finger. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> you're, such, you're such a grown up. Well, look, dude. I mean, listen, I know there are hundreds of listeners that hate me because that's just the. <laughs> That's just the reality of the situation. <laughs> I listen to lots of podcasts where I don't like the hosts. I, me you too. Kinda, me too. Kind of get into this vibe where you think, well, we've got these thousands of listeners. They obviously like what we're doing. So we're really cool guys. Right. <laughs> right. But then you realize, wait, I don't like most of the people on the podcast I listen to. So good <laughs> chances are at least 75% of our audience actually dislikes us as human beings. Like <laughs> I just hadn't kind of got through my school because Again, bigger picture. Mm-hmm. We have awesome listeners and the people that interact with us, again, especially at the message boards at horrormoviepodcast.com. It's the most respectful, awesome community I've seen online, honestly. Like everyone there, 100%. Is cool, supportive, sharing movies, sharing ideas. I agree. There's no trolls there. There are zero trolls. On that website. And I have even sucked on many occasions, on many different levels, on many different things. 
that didn't come out quite right. <laughs> Speaking of weird. <laughs> I think it came out just right. Okay. Anyway, and uh, still, they have forgiven me and been very gracious with me in my weakness and imperfection. Sure. I mean, and look, there's definitely a lot of gentle ribbing. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely, you know, give us the runaround if we say something they don't like. They, they're not shy about expressing what they don't like that we say. But they're all very nice as well, and they're also just kidding, and they're also having fun. Yeah. It's all good-natured, right? We're all friends, and by the way, I mean, that's that's how my family rolls. Like, my, my family back in West Virginia, that's how you know if my family likes you. We tease each other. If you come to our house, we don't tease you. We don't like you. So like you told me that on movie, because early on in Movie Podcast Weekly, I was very sensitive about whenever I wasn't on the show you and Andy would just like rip me to shreds. Right? <laughs> and, and Andy still teases you like that. There yeah. In that way. Yes. And so I was just like, yeah, what's going on guys? Why are you talking so much crap about me? You're like, no, oh, listen, my family, this is how we, so when you, that see that, then you gave me the go ahead and that. So I'm like, okay, if that's the situation. I'm going to come at you as hard as I feel like you can. ultimately it doesn't turn out that great. <laughs> ultimately you know i mean you know it, i love some, how this it, is a some big people confession. can take it some people can dish it out you know it's fine <laughs> right. See, anyway. I, I suspect I, I have a feeling josh was dissing me right there listeners <laughs> I, I have a feeling uh, but go ahead keep on long story short listeners out there look this is a weird new world we're living in it's a brave new world sometimes the interactions are going to be weird <laughs> <laughs> But I honestly, I have no intention of being weird or being rude, except for this to this one guy. So, um, so the, anyway, you mean the middle finger emoji? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking. About. Well, <laughs> and honestly, and I tweeted this to him as well. I said, "Look, I'd be more upset if I didn't agree with you." There's never enough Doctor Shock, and I and I stand by that statement. Yeah, so. well, that's true. That's true. And in some ways, I'm still having fun with this listener. I'm just goofing around, but you know, it hurt my feelings. Right. Right. <laughs> No, I, under, I understand. I, I really do. I understand all of that stuff. And I may have hurt that listener's feelings as well. So I apologize. If, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, I, I definitely apologize to the other listener on Facebook and all that stuff. I'm sorry. You have my sincere apology. The guy on Twitter. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you were kind of dishing it a little bit. Yeah. No. no well, the thing is, I, I'm so intrigued now to know what weird thing you said to that one listener. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. okay. But I wanted to get in. This is also part of a greater point. I know this is a lot of, of rambling, but these are just things I'm interested in. And within the horror community, I think it's something to talk about. Because we always say, like, hey, check it out. Like, wh- horror fans could be normal, cool people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you're having this meetup. Is there any part of you that's scared that a psychopath might show up to this meetup? Are you, in fact, scared of horror fans? I am not scared, but um, especially not of horror fans. I'm not afraid of horror fans. In fact, um, this is a, you know, the whole movie podcast network is invited to, you know, welcome their listenership to this. I know, like, the GeekCast live podcast, they're going to have people there. Movie Podcast Weekly has been inviting people there and promoting it. And this podcast, and anybody that listens to shows that that i'm on that that are going to be there 
I'm I'm fairly certain that they're going to be people from horror movie podcasts. So yeah, I'm not afraid of the horror community. What what I am a little bit um, <laughs> I don't want to say worried about, but the thing is, I am well. You, well, you know me, Josh, and 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 I I would hope that people have a real sense for the reality of me. Like I I'm just a I'm kind of a straight laced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a straight laced dude. Like I, I don't, if people think of a cliched horror fan, like, you know, they'll be like, they meet me and be like, okay, this, this fat nerdy guy with glasses is uh, <laughs> the host of horror movie podcast. What? Like, But it's like, that's the reality of it. You know? Hey man, there's no, look, that's, that's neither here nor there in my opinion. It takes all kinds, mm-hmm. but, but I actually am afraid of horror fans. <laughs> Because then let me tell you this, like I listen, I know that there are awesome, normal people who are horror fans, but you have to be realistic about it. Like lots of killers and people out there were horror movie fans as well. And if I was going to organize like legit, this is just the HMP audience meetup. You know, we've talked about this for years on the message boards with like Juan and stuff like I'd want to do it at. Camp Crystal Lake location <laughs> overnight. We invite out some guests like Eduardo Sanchez or something. We do live podcasts by the lake, but and we camp <laughs> out, we camp over and, nice. or, you know, and I would be legitimately afraid that someone was coming there to murder all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I just am. And, you know, and our listeners also have told me, Hey, if you have anyone to worry about, it's probably Jay. <laughs> That's because right. Jay is that mild mannered guy that you might assume <laughs> is very straight laced, and one day he just snaps. Well, and and that's why, and uh, I'm kind of being funny, but kind of not. That that's why I'm not as worried about about the meetup because I feel like people don't know my dark side at all because I'm usually jovial, right? Well, I mean, you don't know it. <laughs> you, you don't. You don't know the degree to which I'm scary because after all, Josh, I am a horror fan too, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so are you for that matter. I mean, you're a horror fan, so they, no, could, be, they could be wondering the same thing about you. Okay, so <laughs> I found this study at BigThink.com where they were talking about what makes someone creepy. And I thought this might be useful to our listeners and to maybe you if, when you go to this meetup. <laughs> so you're not coming to this meetup then as this... Is it, I mean, I, I just I just heard about it, honestly, and um, I, I would just feel more comfortable at an HMP meetup myself. Like I know, like Juan's coming out to Sundance this year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm planning on meeting up with Juan. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to come out to Sundance, like we'll hit it hard. We'll go to a bunch of movies, whatever. But I'm, I mean, I don't know. I just I kind of have my heart set on like. Remember we talked about doing like a zombie run for an HMP meetup. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That just seems more fun because. I'm not as interested in like the different audiences as much well, as I with the HMP audience. One one reason why we were do- like doing it that way, and I hope that this is still interesting to people out there. But one reason we were doing it that way is because like I was thinking, okay, how many people are gonna actually show up to this and travel from across the country or even across the world? So I was thinking that the way for it to actually end up being a party of any size because our our shows are still growing you know they're not like in the hundreds of thousands or whatever of listeners so 
it is to kind of combine one big, you know, get together. That, that's sure, kind that of makes thinking, sense. But I'm just going to, I mean, look, you, no one asked me about it before, so I just, I didn't have a chance to like, you know. I got you. Well, we would love to have orient you. myself with that. And so the listeners know, I did email Josh about this, but maybe he didn't see it because I, I write super long emails and I write them frequently. <laughs> so you, Before you announced it, you emailed me about it? Before, well, it kind of organically happened on Movie Podcast Weekly. Like, as we would talk, and like Juan kept writing in and saying, Hey, Jay, you always talk about a meetup. Let's make it happen. So I had to say something. So I just said, Okay, well, Andy's gone in Alaska all summer for some reason, <laughs> which is weird. I and just it, found that out. That's cool. I was following him on <laughs> yeah. Facebook. He was up. At the top of the world, he's literally <laughs> like almost a barrow. He's at the top of Alaska. I know. <laughs> and he drove there. It's not like he took a plane up there. Mm-hmm. And I got I got the best photo from him. Like last night when we recorded Movie Podcast Weekly, <laughs> he was recording like outside. And he, he took a photo of his whole setup. And it's incredible. It's going to be in the show notes for uh, episode 194 of uh, Movie Podcast Weekly check it out but anyways um that's it just kind of organically came together and and to be honest i mean juan was kind of pushing me into it because i've run my mouth for years now about getting together so i'm like okay we're gonna do it and i talked to my wife about it and she was like that's weird and i'm like you know because but i'm like we're gonna do this it's gonna be fun so i think you should come josh i think it'll be fun and and i bet you there's a a project or something you could also film there. I tell you what, it would have been a lot easier if you had invited me when you guys were doing it in Utah than when you did it in Indiana. <laughs> well, well, we didn't do it in Utah. We well, did, yeah, we didn't do it there because well, Rye, uh, I mean, Rye was one where I was here. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We and we never thought to like Indiana put it far. To, put it together. <laughs> you, Mister Jet Setter, the guy who travels all over the country and the world, like. I'm just saying, maybe you'll be in that neck of the woods in it's September. Possible. Here's my vision for it. I want to do a ho- organize a horror convention, organize it around the podcast so that even if people are coming just for the horror convention, they don't have to necessarily be HMP fans when they show up. They will be by the time they leave. That's, that's right. That's what I'm saying. That's a great idea, too. So, See, Jay, when you are identifying who is creepiest, um, <laughs> here are some things that are scientifically okay. Proven to be creepy. Here are the creepiest things that people are reported to do according to science, right? Gotcha. Watching a friend before interacting with them. Does that sound creepy to you? Mm, Yeah, maybe a little. Touching a friend frequently. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some people are touchy-feely. Yeah. I'm a little bit like that, just so everybody knows out there. Well, this is just what people reported, the things they find most creepy. Okay. Um, Okay. Steering a conversation towards sex. (laughs) That just seems like a guy kind of thing to do. That's what guys do that, right? I mean. Well, guys are probably most creepy, like, statistically. Yes. Asking someone to take a picture of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just them? Because they're like, hey, Jay, nice to meet you. Can I take a picture of you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely creepy. Asking for personal details of a friend's family. This might have been my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that that makes you suspicious. I think. 
being the opposite sex of a friend, also not a good combo with the last one. Right, right. Or the touchy-feely. Yeah. Yes. Never looking friend in the eye. Yeah, well, that just makes you think, okay, what are they hiding? Right. But, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this on the show. (laughs) But when I do that, when I'm not looking people in the eye, it's because I feel like I am so transparent my eyes are a window to my soul that if I have contempt or I'm mad at somebody or upset with somebody, I won't look them in the eye because I feel like they're going to see it in my face. So if you're not looking at me when we're talking, does that mean you're upset? You're going to know I'm fired up right then. Uh-oh. Like, yeah. So that's, that's some, everybody can read about me in person anyway. So these are the most creepy things a person can look like or do, right? Okay. Of someone who stands too close, someone who has a peculiar smile. That is, that's creepy. Yeah. This is not fair because this is something you can't change, but a person who has bulging eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not fair. A person who has long fingers again, Mm -hmm. what you can do about it. Here are two interesting ones. Someone who has greasy or unkempt hair. You immediately think someone's creepy if you see them and they have greasy or unkempt hair. I wouldn't say creepy. I would say maybe loose cannon because they just don't care. This is true for me. A person who has very pale skin automatically makes me nervous. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Someone who has bags under their eyes. Right. Someone who's dressed oddly. And by the way, I have bags under my eyes. Well, you're just so tired, dude. You need to sleep. Yeah, I'm tired and a little bit of salt retention. Go ahead. (laughs) Someone who is dressed oddly. Mm. What would someone have to be wearing to put you off or to make you feel like they were creepy? Like, what would be the thing that you're like, that's a little strange. Uh, Like, if they were like, okay, if they had like leather pants and suspenders, no shirt, and like (laughs) nipple rings where there's a chain, and I'm talking about a male, uh, there's a chain connecting the two nipple rings, (laughs) that might make me a, a little bit like, okay, guarded. What if they dress like that in their personal life, but they don't do it at the public meetup? Well, I mean, what can I, what can I say about that? How would I know that that's the case? Okay, this person licks their lips frequently when they're talking to you. <laughs> that's me. I do that, actually. Really? Yeah, and Heath Ledger did that as well. And, and not just with his Joker character. That was like an exaggeration of it, but he actually did that in his normal life as well person laughs at unpredictable times i do that a little. that is off putting to me like in a scary way like think about it in a horror situation when someone's laughing at something that shouldn't be funny that yeah. is terrifying yeah absolutely i know what you mean but some of these things and i, I want to approach this very gently some of these things that you're describing honestly they are uh, characteristics of those on the autism spectrum. And I can say that because I was the host of the all about autism podcast or not, the, not the host. I was a producer and I was a co-host, I guess. But anyway, I've been around a number of people on the spectrum and, and they don't like always have that awareness of personal boundaries. So they will stand up really close to you. They will ask you a lot of personal questions. I like, like many of these things that you just mentioned, are things that people on the autism spectrum will do. Interesting. And there are things apparently someone identified that Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Nightcrawler does. Oh, so the, the double uh, blink? 
<laughs> the uh, author of this article at BigThink.com said, if they're registering all of these traits, run. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So here's, here's the last one. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go because I know this is going a little bit long. But uh, if the person makes it nearly impossible to end a conversation without appearing rude. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay. No. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's how you know if someone's creepy. So I, I get you. Watch out. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I'm kind of scarred. When people do that to me, I'm just going to put this out there right now. Uh, one time. When I was a missionary for my church, <laughs> like you, it's really difficult to get people to talk to you about religion sometimes. Sure. But there was an older man. He was apparently, evidently lonely, and he had a lot to say. And he was one of those people who just talked constantly. It wouldn't get, let you get a word in edgewise. And he could just, he could just transition. I mean, he was the perfect filibuster. Well, it was to the point that we saw that, okay, so either the, this guy must have some degree of maybe mental illness or some sort of impairment, and we just needed to go at that point. We had been very friendly and very nice to him, and I kept trying to break away, and he he would not let me because he was aware, Josh, of the social conventions that people don't want to be rude to you, and I actually had to turn my back to him and walk away as he was talking. Wow. And he just kept talking. Wow. And, and like ever since that experience, because I found it a little bit traumatic, and I know that sounds dramatic, but um, it was very upsetting to me. And now like when I get a long talker, I just can't tolerate it. I just like freak out. Yeah, I noticed you had that problem with Cody Clark. You're like, what? why does he keep talking? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I loved Cody. I love Cody Clark. <laughs> <laughs> he's my friend but yeah he's a guy who can talk about a lot of things intelligently for a long period of time but he's a friend too so i'm i'm used to cody clark but yeah he's one of those people that can talk really well no absolutely i mean there are a lot of people like that in podcasting because you can i think both you or i could easily just you could turn us loose and we could probably talk for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. that's right as we have done in fact i mean we have basically talked about social um, oddities for the past like what 40 minutes or something it's it's been really funny but uh, you know just so people know in case you're like still listening to this and wondering <laughs> what are they doing right now uh, this is our Frankensteinian episode which is right which is kind of like the equivalent to some people call it like an after dark you know like the film cast calls it that but it's like where we can just cover all sorts of topics usually yes they're a little more directly horror related, but we can do like whatever we want on these kind of shows. So this is about our community and our, you know, I think it's cool. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm not being critical. Whatsoever. I have one more side and then I'll, we'll get on to the important stuff, but I just wanted to give you a little update. You know, I talked about green room <laughs> and the authenticity of the punk elements in that movie. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And there is a singer of a punk band called no effects. They're probably the most successful independent punk band in the world. They're one of the few punk bands that during the big boom of the 90s didn't do a music video for MTV, even though they were asked repeatedly. They would not give their songs to radio, even though they were asked repeatedly. Um, They're really, really successful millionaires, but completely independently DIY. um, You know, so I look up to them in that way. Okay. 
Uh, the singer of No Effects, his name is Fat Mike. He put out on his Instagram uh, image from Green Room, and he says, "So expletive deleted rad. <laughs> Whoever wrote this knows his or her expletive deleted. Expletive deleted. Punks and skins are not really so united. So." I thought that was cool. The, if you could understand what I said with all those expletive deleted, <laughs> just a guy who is a totally legit punk rocker. He does it for his life professionally at like the age of forty-five, and has since he was fifteen. Uh, he he gives Green Room the thumbs up on authenticity. So I thought, that yeah, was cool. well, no doubt about it. And and I honestly, even though I'm not even familiar with that that world. I could tell. I mean, I was so at sea. It wasn't like watching, and I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing. It wasn't like watching Ryan Johnson <sighs> weave his world around brick, <laughs> his neo noir, like, <sighs> you know, Diablo Cody ness. <laughs> now, you Just know, <laughs> when Ryan Johnson does Star Wars episode eight, and yes. he also wrote Star Wars episode nine, you realize he's creating his own universe for those, right? Yeah, but that's called that genre is fantasy, and, I, <laughs> and I'm ready. I'm ready to go on that. It's gonna be good. Yes. All right. All right. So, well done, Josh. I really loved that segment we just discussed, and you, you cracked me up. That was some of the funniest stuff I've heard you say. Although I am sorry <laughs> that if listeners have had bad experiences because of you, but I, I just want to say if those listeners who had bad experiences because of Josh. Um, like are still listening. I have two things to say. Number one, Josh means well. <laughs> he, he really does. He he's got the. He just can't help himself. No, I'm just well. I'm just saying. No, I I want people to know. So I'm being dead serious right now. Josh has one of the biggest hearts I have ever known in a guy. I mean, this guy is like talk about teddy bears. But the other the other thing is. And now it's not as funny because I was like, you know, just being earnest just now. But, um, you know, sometimes when when someone is honest like that with you, which is very refreshing, you will have a, a clash or weirdness. And, you know, we've had that before, Josh, and I just think we're we're better friends for it. So absolutely. Anyways. So I have one other green room related <laughs> thing. It's it's trivia, but we, we've decided to put the games at the end, just in case we want to cut them. Okay. These these games are really fun. One of them was recommended by a listener. The other one I stumbled upon myself. But um, I thought, you know, it, it might be more fun if Dave was here too, so you weren't quite in the hot seat. I personally would like to put your feet to the flames, but... I would fail. I have a terrible memory. And especially if it's a movie quote game, I'm the worst. Let's just see how this episode goes. Listeners, if we don't get to the games, then they'll be on the next episode that Dave appears on. Okay, that's fair enough. So were you going to say something else about Green Room? No, one of the games is Green Room related. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that sounds intriguing because they they were actually playing some pretty fun games on Green Room. <laughs> like, okay, the time has come, Josh, I think, for me to eat some crow. <laughs> like, This is the listener's reward for like sticking with us through 60 minutes of this episode so far, which I have thoroughly enjoyed, Josh. Thank you. But I really do need to fulfill on something. It has been requested many times that I revisit The Conjuring. 
rewatched the the 2013, the original primary film. And so right now, for the listeners, Josh and I are going to talk about The Conjuring once again. I want to reassess my original review of it and just kind of review it again. Full spoilers. So if you haven't seen The Conjuring from 2013, spoilers are legal on this. This is not the new one that's in theaters right now. This is the first one. All right, it's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door is just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. Okay, Josh. Doing this for Juan and all those who asked. Well, that's good because I was going to ask you because Juan mentioned this on again and on this Twitter group. He says something like, "I need, I better get my money's worth." And I was like, "What is this in reference to?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should, I should just uh, full disclosure up front. So Juan, he's one of the donors who contributes to the show because if people don't know this, this podcast and Movie Podcast Weekly basically they come out of my pocket, and that's fine. I'm not whining, but. People contribute, and that helps to defray the cost. Well, Juan, when he sent in a donation, a generous donation, he said, Jay, this is my request. I want you, when you review The Conjuring 2, which I'm going to do tonight, he said, I want you to revisit The Conjuring um, because many people, if you don't know this, I think it was episode 43 of Movie Podcast Weekly. I first reviewed it over there. I was hard on it. And and then even on this podcast, what was it, like episode two or something? Our hauntings episode, is that right, Josh? Yeah, it was the second episode of this. We talked about haunted houses, and we did The Haunting was the uh, old film we talked about, and The Conjuring was the new film we talked about. That's right, that's right. And and people on both podcasts, <laughs> both like communities, which is probably the same community, they freaked out and thought I was like very hard on it. And I'll talk about why I was hard on it and, and but basically he said i want you to get some snacks take this money see the movie get some snacks and enjoy yourself and have a a just totally zen type experience where you're open and receptive to this movie yeah i mean he says here a deal was made bribes were paid <laughs> that wasn't peanut so. buster parfaits were mentioned <laughs> yeah. and i better get my money's worth but but the, and then another listener whose name i will not reveal because of, you know, I don't want you to get upset with this listener who was an excellent, awesome person. Right. Says, honestly, I don't even want to hear Jay's thoughts on The Conjuring 2. <laughs> he was incredibly short-sighted about the first one in the original Haunting. He just subjectively dislikes the subgenre. So, Jay, I think there's a lot of interest as to how you're going to react about this film. You know, that's 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 actually very fair because, um, yeah, like Supernatural horror films are not my favorite subgenre. That's true. So I will confess that. Also, I don't love possession movies. Is it partly because they kind of grate against my my own spiritual beliefs? You know, I have misgivings about this kind of thing. Yes, I mean, that's, that's true as well. But, but what could grate against your spiritual beliefs more than The Exorcist? And you love that movie. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say I love it. I mean, it's not something I revisit. I I appreciate its power, 
but okay, okay. but but you know in my defense everybody out there the fact that like a possession type film bothers me so much i i think speaks to its power to affect me you know as a viewer and if we all appreciate horror for what it's supposed to do, which is to scare us, make us uneasy, shock us, horrify us, whatever, then that's, I think, something that should be appreciated. And I feel like I do appreciate that fact. So I revisited The Conjuring and I told people in my initial review, I still feel the same way, that opening scene up until the credits, I mean, you get, it's kind of the introduction to add in Lorraine Warren and what's really cool about it is the the way they bring you into the film with like they're giving a lecture at this college or whatever and they're showing footage from the Annabelle case and Josh what's so neat about it to me is that there are even flashbacks within it and just within that brief i think it's like 10 minutes or less they establish the um the kind of the authority, the ability, and the competence of our main characters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, and 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 it's all it's an odd intro, though, man. It is odd because structurally, it's so weird. I've never seen anything like it, and it didn't strike me that way initially. But just rewatching it for this, I was like, "What? This is so weird." I agree, hundred percent. And you know what, though, I mean, I've heard like kind of snootier type film critics. They they kind of would balk at that. Like, they didn't like that. And honestly, I didn't have any problem with it because I thought it was a very interesting way to kind of, like, pull you into the film. And, and another reason yeah. for that introduction, by the way, is because many, many 80s slashers have done this as well. If there's going to be a long, slow buildup before the horror starts happening, if there needs to be a lot of exposition and setup, then they will do something in the beginning to show you, okay... So we got a horror film here. I want to make you uneasy right off the bat. And then we're going to go into this long buildup. And that's sure. what this film does too. I mean, this is. It's the opening kill somewhat similar to how a comedy sitcom would have a cold open. Exactly. But the cold open doesn't bother me as much as I think it's so weird how they're mixing subjective camera work with this objective uh, presentation. And then you, and then after that 10 or 15 minutes of the cold open, they cut to title cards. She's like, what is happening right now? And then they cut to a totally different story. Right. And the structure is, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Cause I was so, especially when I first watched it, I so was wanted to be pulled into this world. It was just exactly up my alley with being kind of this, you know, period piece. And I mm. love those two characters. I just think they are endless. I could watch a hundred movies with them. Right. Mia. Yeah, they are tremendous, and the but actors it is are great too. And I agree with you 100. But I, I also, I like, I would like to defend it. Not that you're attacking it, but against the the snooty critics out there, because I think it's important, and it has nothing to do with Juan wanting me to get snacks. It, it, I think it's important because when you are going into this film, if they were to tell you, okay, this is just file footage. This this thing that happened is over with, and, and this case is closed, and the doll is locked up. You know, the fact that they kind of draw you in, and as you said, you get the subjective camera work and all that stuff, that kind of makes it feel more, like, current, like it's actually happening right then to you, the viewer. Like, like you're in it with these characters. It's not like, oh, okay, this was an old experience, and it's not really a threat right now. I got you. I got you. It's my 
two cents on that. But anyways, so when that opening happens, and by the way, this the soundtrack to this is incredible. It's mind-blowingly good. And I said in my initial reviews that when the title card goes up there, like The Conjuring, it's in giant yellow letters. I was like, oh, this movie's a 10 right now. I can tell this is going to be a 10, right? And then as the film went, I think what happened, looking back, because this is only the second time ever I've seen it. Yeah. I honestly think what happened for me, Josh, was that there was a lot. I mean, this is a slow burn build in this movie. And I think maybe I got impatient with that fact. And I also think that that really what, where I fell down the stairs, so to speak, is with my, my two big complaints that everybody hates hearing. I'll just say it once. I was mad that they did the hair dragging scene where they dragged her around by the hair. And honestly, so when that scene came up again, I'm like, okay, okay, is this really as bad as I made it out to be? And and there's the first pass where they gra- the, the entity grabs her hair and yeah. drags her across the room. And I'm like, what? That wasn't so bad. And like, why was I so hard on that? Jeez, like, Jay, such a jerk. But then, <laughs> but then, keeps dragging her around, knocking stuff all over through the house. I'm like, come on, guys, way too much. If it had been like one drag across the room or something, like for example, let me just let me just compare and contrast all you conjuring people. What about the all the scenes where the the kid is asleep in bed, and then all of a sudden you hear that noise? It's like a like that, and and then like the kid is dragged down like like maybe six inches. That is freaky. It's not dragged across the room. It's just dragged a little bit. It's like, hey, something invisible freaking grabbed you and dragged you, right? But it's not like comedic because it it just strikes me as comedic. you're up in the ante though. Like I want to just mention this for the people who have not heard episode two, which I would say go back and listen to it because it's it's interesting. It was our first episode with Dr. Shock and um, I think it's a good episode still. I think it holds up. Mm Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we got after you about was this comedic idea because you're like, look, this can be parodied in a scary movie movie someday. Mm. And that really bothers me. And for some reason, that really stuck in my craw when you said that (laughs) at the time. Because anything can be parodied in a scary movie movie. In fact, the best stuff is the stuff they're going to parody. Like if you look at uh, the original scary movie, they're parodying the phone calls and they're parodying the killers in the house from Scream. And like, yeah, that's the best stuff in Scream. And so – I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's. I think that's a weak argument. But I, but if you're just saying it strikes you as comedic in this version, I don't know what to say to that. I guess just that you, the movie didn't pull you in enough that you were feeling it. Well, because it is so, and I and I think I really was able to pinpoint it this time because everyone was so <laughs> vehement in their disagreement with me about this that I really tried to be as objective as possible as I was watching it. And I really think that the problem for me lies in the fact that it that is so over the top, like it's so extreme and it goes on for so long that it looks in and of itself within this film, it looks like a clip from Scary Movie to me. And, and I, it just strikes me that way. And I think that's why I had a problem. Because honest to goodness, this film, and I'll, I'll give credit right here where credit's due, this film has tons and tons of genuine scares. Like uh, my co-host Andy, we were talking about this movie on Movie Podcast Weekly. And he, and he thought it was boring. And I'm like, no, no, like it's a slow burn. But it is not boring because like there is something for you to wince about and feel creeped out about frequently in this movie like every 
I mean, honestly, Josh, like how many pages would you say in the script they go until there's a scare? Like one or two, right? I mean, is that what we're talking? Yeah, once it gets going, it's pretty frequent. And even scenes that seem benign at first, like the clapping I mentioned at the introduction, can take a quick turn into something scary. Oh, yeah. So you've got so many effective scares, and these aren't cats jumping out of the cupboard, people. I mean, these are legitimate scares. They're not the cheap jump scares. These are actually kind of freaky. And then when you go from all of that extremely well done, like horror to me, and into this over-the-top scary movie type sequence, I think it just sticks out like a sore thumb. I think it's a black eye on the movie. Maybe not a black eye, maybe like a giant pimple, <laughs> but but it really does kind of taint it. But don't worry, I think people are going to be happy with where I come down on this ultimately. But the other complaint I had was the chair turning upside down and going up to the ceiling. Yeah. Maybe that just freaks people out because it's so otherworldly. It's so unnatural. And there is something with these demonic types that like to turn things upside down, like crucifixes and so forth. And so, okay, sure, maybe turning up a chair upside down is like a thing. You know, it's like... Well, it's a sign that there's something supernatural. Like, there's no scientific explanation for a chair turning upside down, right? That's true. But, I mean, even the chair levitating a little bit says supernatural to me like you know what i mean but it's the fact that once again it i believe that it was taken too far it goes all the way upside down to the ceiling and they're sitting on the ceiling and it's like oh that's weird okay Jay, i want to i want to call you out on this because okay, so many of these supernatural films your complaint is it doesn't go far enough like there are these little you know the door closing scenes in this movie it's just not scary anymore, right? Like the to you have to, and what I like about this movie is it delivers on the actual horror. It's not all just left to your imagination, which I think the imagination stuff it can be very powerful. But I like that in this film, it's also explicit. They they're really good at doing the stuff that kind of like gets your imagination running, but they also give you the explicit horror. And I think it's better than a lot of other supernatural horror films of this time period because of that. Well, I think you're conflating two film critics here, two horror critics you podcasted with. Because, yes, our friend Bill Shetty was always complaining about the door moving. Like, that was that was his famous complaint. Like, in yeah, Paranormal you Activity. about the gallows or whatever. Well, wait, wait. about the little things that, how they're not scary enough. So, let me, let me get there. So, like, the door moving. Like, when I first saw Paranormal Activity, and by the way, that doesn't hold up as much on rewatches. But when I first saw it, I loved the gradual building nature of it and how you knew that each night... It was going to get more aggressive and progressively worse. But just to compare and contrast, when Katie Featherstone is dragged out of her bed and down the hall, and that that doesn't seem like silly to me at all. Like that seems horrifying. Yeah. And and it's and it's just one, you know, she's dragged off screen and you know what I mean? But if it had dragged her like roadrunner style or something up up the walls and across the ceiling, mm-hmm. then I would be like Okay, cut. So, <laughs> so I'm just saying. I mean, I think if something were like dragging me around constantly, I would probably be afraid. But I don't know. I might start laughing and be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, like, what are you doing with me dragging me around? It's so weird. I don't know. Did we get that out of the way? Because I just, I wanted to acknowledge. I mean, I wasn't uh, referring to Bill Shetty's criticisms. Okay. My whole point was that I wasn't, I wasn't saying literally you were talking about the doors in this film, okay. but I feel like, and maybe I'm incorrect. 
as you've talked about, for instance, on the Blumhouse episode, your annoyances with these current crop of found footage paranormal movies, that the the scares are too weak, that the scares are, you know, that they're too suggested and it's the same stuff and it's paranormal stuff that's not that interesting. And I and I guess what all I'm saying is there's a difference between this and many of those films because you're getting mm-hmm. to see a little bit more action, a little bit more horror action than you see in a lot of those movies. Okay, well, tell me what you think of this then because I, I like what you just said. I like what you brought up. So in, in the previous episode, episode 90, I reviewed The Darkness and I was griping yeah. about the, the black stuff coming out of people. <laughs> the black goop, especially coming out of eyes and all that jazz. So so what about that? That that's kind of like the vein that I'm talking about when it's like a tired convention by this point that we've seen tons of times in every horror movie. I mean, where has it, is that J-horror? I mean, because like, where have they ever said, if black goop comes out of your eyes, that means <laughs> you are doomed. You're going to get it, you know? It, it, but it's like, all of a sudden, one movie did it, so then the next horror movie did it, and the next horror movie did it, and it's like, what is this black goop stuff? Like, well, I mean, look, horror has always done that, and all pop culture and art does that in a sense. The things come in cycles. I don't, I'm not a follower of rap, but I know that you used to be an MC. <laughs> And uh, a killer MC. Yeah. And I right. just recently saw this video with Snoop Dogg. Have you seen this that's going around the internets? No. What is it? Please. It's just do. him talking about this recent spate of all of these songs sounding exactly the same and how when he was in the studio, one of the producers tried to get him to do this. It's a certain rhythm that people are, are rapping. Can you currently. do it for me right now? Shibita, shibita, shibita. I don't know. I don't, I don't listen to enough rap, nor was I paying close enough attention. So I don't know. First of all, I don't know any of the songs he was referencing. <laughs> so oh, okay. that's my first problem. <laughs> I, I, they, they maybe gave 50 examples. I hadn't heard of one of them. And then, uh, yeah, I wasn't paying that close attention. But my, anyway, his point was just that how crazy it is that all these people are following the same fad currently. But look, that's the, that's, the state of all art has always gone that way. And certainly horror films and slashers have gone that way. And so, you know, look, we love the slasher conventions. Mm-hmm. I just think you're not really a paranormal guy. And so when you see something like in the conjuring, it's totally a cliche to have this whole door opening sequence, but it's executed well. And so I have no beef with that. And especially right. in this case, it's based on a true story in quotes. I, I'm not going to actually call it that, but that's the idea is that's coming from the actual case files of these ghost busters. And so, <laughs> um, you know, like, look, you, you know, they're telling the story that they say happened in real life. And so I, you know, look, I, I wouldn't care if every paranormal movie from here to eternity, had a door opening sequence because that's the, it's not just a cliche. It's what's expected of that sort of character. Just like we wouldn't be upset if in a slasher movie, somebody's wielding a knife. Yeah. And I'm actually fine with the door opening type of thing because actually, I mean that, that has roots in our actual universal primal fears. Like, because who hasn't been in their house and like a draft will come through and a door will slam shut or kind of blow open. Like just tonight when I got in, I, it was very windy where I lived and I put the garage door down and I was going into the house through the, um, you know, the person door. Yeah. And when my kids put their hands on the knob, it kind of, blew open like somebody was behind it pulling it open yeah and it freaked me out just tonight that happened and so that is a 
universal fear. And and I think what we're talking about here is execution, Josh, because yeah. in the conjuring, that door scene where she goes over and she stands there and she's like, what? Nothing's over here. See, like, you know, that is amazingly well done. And I, I agree with that. But like the, the black eye goop, like there's no basis in you don't know Primal that fear. maybe in, maybe in Japan that ties to their oldest ghost stories. First of all, we don't know in our culture, but for me, I find it a really disturbing image. Maybe it's overused and that's definitely arguable, but dude, this is not where I anticipated this conversation would go, but I've had one experience in my life where in the moment I believed that the other person was possessed. Whoa. And I don't know. If that's the case now, now I'm more skeptical about those types of things. And so I don't know if I buy into that. I think a lot of the things when we talk about possession are really mental illness. And, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of my stance on that stuff now. But as much as like, I want to be scientifically minded in my approach to life, I'm also a person who loves the idea of magic. And like, I don't want to get rid of the magical things in life to me, those are interesting and fun and fascinating and add depth to our life experiences. Yeah. Like an etch a sketch, for example, kind of, <laughs> I mean, that's magical. You must admit, but, but in all seriousness. So anyway, my one experience I had, and I'm not going to go into detail about it right now. Something came out of this dude's mouth like unto this black goop, although it was brown and it kind of looked like a hairball, but like a gigantic baseball or softball sized, like gooey hairball. And this happened like when he was confronting us and like speaking in tongues and this thing like came pouring out of his mouth. Wow. It's big. And um, so maybe it has a root in that. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, yeah, it's not necessarily a cliche that we are super familiar with, but maybe it is in some culture tied to some deep rooted fear or, or whatever. It certainly <laughs> Wait. filled me with a lot of fear in that moment. Well, no kidding. And can I just acknowledge here that you did say you didn't want to go into the details and there are probably reasons for that, but I just want to say that's very unfair of you to drop that bomb on us and be like, <laughs> Yeah, this crazy thing, this actual horror movie thing happened to me, but I'm not going to say much about it. Like, well, I mean, like, I told you the scariest part, which was this guy started like heaving up like this thing in front of us while he was screaming at us in an unknown language. Wow, but, uh, that's incredible. I mean, that's a very scary story right there. Yeah, it was. Whew, so what did you do? I mean, did you run away? Did you? Well, uh. I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> if we <laughs> if we do a campfire tales and there's sounds like there's interest within the community, I'll I'll tell the full story. Okay, everybody, horror movie podcast audience, even the ones that Josh offended, but tell us tell us <laughs> that you want to hear this story because we got to know we got to. Okay, all right, so we'll move on then. But but the yes. Conjuring, yeah, the Conjuring. So here we go. Um, let me let me just celebrate another aspect of this movie here here's a tremendous scene i i initially i thought it was one of the most effective scenes and i still do horror movies the good horror movies are excellent at hiding things in the corners of the screen or just off screen okay and this film is great about that i mean the the lighting the the cinematography in this film is is just 
fantastic. And for the listeners out there who are not filmmakers, <laughs> like me, for example, but I, I just know a little bit, J- Josh can give us more insight. But when when a cinematographer is filming something, cinematographers are often referred to as geeks of light because for them, it's really about light, how much light is in in the shot. I would and, call them painters of light. <laughs> that's good, too. <laughs> No, that's good, too. I mean, they are like light wizards, basically. And a great horror cinematographer is really good at making the corners of the screen, like, dark. Uh, Like, watch a great film like The Conjuring, and you'll see, like, or, like, Sinister is one of the best recent examples of this. Like, the first Sinister. Man, those corners were black in the room, and it was just incredible because I, I just, as the viewer, I'm thinking I'm so uneasy right now because there could be anything right there any second. And in this film, they have this shot. There's that cabinet in the girl's room. And if you look, because I knew what was coming, I watched the way they framed this shot. The top of the cabinet was cut off by the camera. So in the mise-en-scene, the, the, the camera, the top of the screen went to the top of the cabinet, but you couldn't see on top of the cabinet. But many, many, many shots prior to this, Josh, they show on top of the cabinet. But in this one shot, they don't show on top. And then yes. the camera you know, reveals that she's freaking up on top of that and yeah. pounces off it scares me right now to think about it. I mean, that scared me so bad, truly. And that's excellent craftsmanship as well. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, I mean, that's the kind of like remarkable type of wizardry in this. And th- and this is a um, this is a mystery as well. I mean, the one thing I really love about this film, for example, they go up into the room, and and this is kind of closer to like. I'm guessing around the 45-minute mark, 50-minute mark, the girl is in the room, and this is where they were trying to film her, and they're like, don't touch her because um, she's not the one. She was sleepwalking, and they're like, she's not the one setting off these cameras. Something is with her. And then she goes into her room, and then the door shuts, and they're trying to get in there, and when they get in there, she she appears to have vanished. Now, I love this sequence, Josh, because it's like, how supernatural are we getting? Like, did did this entity take this being, this physical being, and like vanish them into thin air? And as you're watching the film, you're wondering this the first time. And then it turns out that she's back in that cupboard, you know, kind of yeah. behind the wall. And that is exceptional too. I mean, there there's another great example right there. And and we get kind of familiar with that little cubby hole. And then later. And I may be mixing up two scenes right now, but um, later our our heroine Lorraine Warren is in a, a similar spot, and then she falls down through very far. I mean, that's just scary stuff. Anyway, I'm just trying to appreciate the film, and I'm kind of rambling, but um, I just want to. Con- I love hearing you appreciate the film, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, I'm and not complaining. And by the way, I. <sighs> I have this weird thing about me and I was trying to figure this out because I wanted to explain this to the listeners. Cause I felt like, you know, Juan wanted an explanation and that's what I'm trying to do here. When people are like so gung ho about a movie and they're all praising it up and down and just loving it. It's not that I want to take away people's joy, but I feel like 
in my self-proclaimed film critic status. I mean, that's how I fancy myself. I feel like, okay, somebody has to look at this film critically and not tear it down, but just try to really assess it. Because like, I was the guy when I first saw Transformers, I hate confessing this, but in 2007, Josh, when that came out, when I saw that, I was so like infatuated with the first Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like Carl. I didn't put it on my best of 2007 year list, but I, I did immediately thereafter. Like I was just loved it and I thought it was the greatest thing. And then, and then I kind of came down to earth and this was part of me like learning about appreciating cinema where you can, you know, kind of look at the seams as well. And so that's, I think what I was resisting the first time around. And those two scenes we described really bugged me, but yes, yes, audience, I was too hard on this. I initially gave this a 5.5 and the reason that I'm willing to um, revise and rewrite this is not because of all the peer pressure, because I, I really don't care about that as much. I, what I care about, though, is, by contrast, when you watch horror films, many, many, many horror films are kind of crappy. I mean, I love the genre, but there there's not a lot of great craftsmanship. There's not a lot of great performances. I mean, a lot of them are awful, really, if we're being honest with ourselves. And actually, this is a better horror film like it's it's a better than average horror film and 5.5 is in fact too low i was wrong i'm admitting it and i am willing to go oh here it is here it is my chair's turning upside down right now <laughs> but, but, but i'm i'm willing to go to an 8 out of 10 on the conjuring Whoa! and i do i do think it's a buy but i i am taking off Two whole points for those two dumb scenes that are overdone, and I, I it's the the best I can do for you. But <laughs> I hear the funny thing, Jack. What I also originally gave this an eight out of five, uh, eight out of ten, and I think I kind of took the two points off for those two scenes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't specifically those scenes. I certainly didn't dislike them as much as you did, but to me, they're emblematic of not in terms of the. Uh, idea because i don't think it's as immediately comical as you do but i do think the execution and stuff i don't love the look of this movie as much as i want to like i I do enjoy it and everything i love about it is that milieu is the look and like the the period stuff but you know it's shot on the ari alexa it's shot by james wan who in nature is a flashy guy like his entire oeuvre other than the conjuring I mean, look at Saw, for instance. It's just like, like everything's <laughs> yeah. going crazy constantly. Exactly. I mean, this is the James Wan who shot a Fast and the Furious movie, right? He shot, what, was a Furious 7 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, and so, one of them. Like, this guy is the guy making the movie. And even though I think he's one of the good guys, like James Blum, or sorry, like Jason Blum, I don't want to confuse things here. Even though I don't agree with all of their types of decisions, I think these are the people who we should really be thanking as a horror community for keeping horror alive and keeping it going in the mainstream. Having said that, like I'd much rather see this movie shot, even if give me another flashy director, but give me somebody like, oh man, I can't think of a horror director right now. Let's say Joe Carnahan though, um, mm-hmm. to, to not get out of, unfortunately I can't think of a horror guy that's 
like that right now, but, but like somebody, they can still be flashy, but give me somebody who wants to shoot it on film, who really wants to give me the grit of like the seventies and feel like I'm in that place just a little bit more, you know, that's, that's what I would like. And that's what would, you know, getting some of the CGI looking stuff out of there, that would take this to the next level for me. I wanted to give this a higher score. Like I thought as I'm sitting down to rewatch this for this review, I'm thinking, Oh man, like I, I, this could be a 10. Like this might be a nine. It should have been a 10. Yeah. I was really excited sitting down and thinking I was going to up my score. And really, I think I'm just going to stick with the eight on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do really enjoy the movie. I think it's a a solid movie. It's one of my favorite films of that year and, and of kind of our time and paranormal films. I'm extremely excited to see the sequel, which I have not seen, but you have seen. Mm-hmm. And um, by the accounts of our listeners, it's actually better than the original. So I'll, I'll wait to hear your take on that. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm going to stick with an eight out of 10 for the conjuring. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm saying eight as well. And I'm saying this is a buy. I mean, if you, if you love, supernatural or paranormal type films especially like you know possession films yeah this is this is one that should be in the collection and and one one last thing that i admire about it i love how this is this is a like haunting type of movie like it's a haunted house movie and um i already mentioned it's a mystery it's also kind of um it's like a ghost movie as well it's also uh like a demon, like a demonic possession movie. It's that as well. And there was one other thing I was classifying it as in my mind. It's escaped me right now. Romantic comedy. <laughs> right. You're just messing with me right now. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's great, actually. And Potential parody. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let that. I'll let that lie. <laughs> but but it's it's true. It it is a good film. I understand why people admire it and love it so much. Um, I you know, and I will say this too. I think this speaks to the film's effectiveness and power. <clears throat> As I sat down to watch it, I was like, kind of taking a deep breath, kind of like buckling up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I was a little bit like, okay, I gotta endure this not because it was bad but because it it is a scary ride for sure and so i know it's interesting because you know we had the exact opposite experience going in and we came out in the same place so i think that says something Mm -hmm. yeah it says that you all bullied me long enough (laughs) no i'm just (laughs) kidding i'm just playing but no by the way i'd like to see david gordon green i want to see him do something like this i know that there was talk about him doing like the suspiria suspiria but man, that I would, would be excellent. That would be so good. I know. We got to get David Gordon Green in on this stuff. I'm just saying that guy. He would make a great version of The Conjuring. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Someone yes. who has just the patience to let the movie be the movie it wants to be instead of trying to jazz it up, you know? Okay. Yeah, me too. I agree 100%. All right. So um, what we'll do at this point, and I want to be like, I realize, see, here's the thing. Josh is very sensitive about spoilers, as am I. And so I appreciate that, Josh. And so I want to give a very careful, like not even close to the line of spoilers type review of The Conjuring 2. And we'll just kind of talk about it. And then once you see it, Josh, maybe we can revisit it and go a little more in depth for people. But I I just want to at least kind of get it out there. 
And before we start uh, this review, I just want to give a huge shout out to our listener, Jody in Toledo, who took a sign to his screening of The Conjuring that says Toledo loves horror movie podcasts. And he took that with him to the screening. We'll put the photograph in the show notes for everybody to see. Huge shout out to Jody. That's Jody Horror Guy on Twitter. I love that. I'm seriously impressed. Thank you, Jody. And I was representing too. When I attended my screening of The Conjuring 2, I was wearing the shirt. And you know, some people uh, due to Jody's sign and said, hey, when when can we get t-shirts? And apparently these are newer listeners who missed the t-shirt uh, <laughs> situation that happened before. <laughs> uh, there were some horror movie podcast t-shirts. Do you have any still available? I still have some. And yes, we will. We'll try to get that organized at, at I, last. I have some plans for another run of horror t-shirts uh, for the horror movie podcast. Great. And I think I've got an easier way to do this than we did it last time. And I'll be working with Jay to make sure it's uh, within his vision as well, but <laughs> I've got some cool design ideas and things that I'm really excited about. So hopefully this will be something cheap and easy that the fans can get and yes. represent when they go out to the horror movie. That's right. Yes. And by easier, Josh means not freaking idiot method like I did. So <laughs> thank you. All right. So let's move into a little tiny review of The Conjuring 2. Do you know when the voice is going to speak? Sometimes. Does it ever say things just to you that you can only hear? Yes. Does it feel like it's coming from inside of you? More like it's coming from behind me. Like I'm being used. What does it say? It said it wants to hurt you. When did it say that? Right now. Okay, Josh. So, um, I went to this movie actually not wanting to see it initially. By the way, I just want to tell everybody before you turn off the podcast, I really like this film. Okay, I'm coming in very positive on it. Just want to tell everybody, don't turn off the show yet. But the trailers for this, Josh, were awful to me. Like, I hated the trailer. And I'm like, I I have zero desire to see that movie. I didn't want to see it. And if it weren't for Juan's challenge, I probably wouldn't have seen it, to be honest. Wow. Like, like, I mean, eventually I would have caught it on Redbox or something, but it wouldn't have been my my pick for the theater movie this, you know, this past weekend. But I am happy to report to everybody out there that they actually did, at least in the, for, I mean, I, I don't know that I've watched all the trailers because I saw, I saw something on YouTube where they were revealing something. It was one of those still shot freeze frame moments of it, of the trailer. And I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing that image in the trailer, but in the trailer that I saw over and over, which is the one that has like the girl on the ceiling and the crosses flipping upside down and stuff. I was like, oh, hum, you know, that looks so terrible. But Josh, good news. In at least that trailer, they did not overdo it and show you way too much. I mean, I was very pleased by that because there is so much of this movie that's not even represented there in the trailer. 
So, I mean, like, are you shocked by this or surprised by this? I mean, I'm excited to hear that you can enjoy a film such as this. So I'm, I'm just waiting okay. <laughs> patiently and anxiously to hear the rest of your review. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there. And if you, um, you know, if you haven't seen some of the like later trailers, like trailer number two or whatever, don't see it. What you said earlier, Josh, is exactly accurate when you said you could watch just like hundreds of like Ed and Lorraine Warren stories. Yes. And, and that's really what this franchise is ultimately is it's just, um, you know, their accounts of these things happening put the film. And so this is another adventure, shall we say, quote unquote, <laughs> like another battle that Ed and Lorraine Warren have to go through here in The Conjuring 2. And um, they travel to London to help out this single mother who has four children. And, you know, their home appears to be just plagued by something awful and something evil. But basically, in many ways, this is this is kind of like the, a similar type of movie as the first one. So uh, what I'm trying to say to the listeners is if you enjoyed the first one, if you like that where Ed and Lorraine are like, they're out for battle and they're and then they they're in over their heads and blah 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 and they got to do it like man that's what this is too but what i'm extremely excited about with this movie is that the quote unquote monster and that's just how i'll term it here because i don't want to i don't even want to reveal what the monster looks like i actually considered josh describing it but i'm like you know I'm not going to do that because I want people to be surprised. This is a great monster. I love the look of the quote unquote monster in this. Awesome. And, and honestly, then let's just talk about this for a second, Josh. I mean, how often these days do we get a truly good like monster concept? Not very often. I mean, we watch a lot of beastly freak movies and it's not often you get a great monster concept even, let alone yeah. a great looking monster. Yeah, and, and the, like I remember like when we reviewed It Follows, okay, um, we loved that monster concept and we're excited yeah. about the inside, um, the lights out. I almost yeah. said inside we're like out. Head, head over heels about these because it's giving us something new and fresh that we don't, which is something we don't get very often. Yeah, yeah. And, and see, I love the monster concept in this film because um, it, it's something that is truly disturbing it's truly like unsettling and, and scary to look at for me i mean maybe not everybody will feel this way like for example like this one gal that i work with one of my co-workers she's not necessarily a horror fan and there was something else in pop culture that it kind of reminded her of and then she's like oh okay i wasn't scared of that so so maybe you won't be scared of it but for me josh and i'm, I'm trying not to overplay this or anything but like I, I was appreciative of it and loved it to the extent that I loved the um, <laughs> the vampire uh, in Salem's Lot, the the Barlow, the, the the master. Yeah, like I it's loved like one of your favorite monsters ever. I freaking love that monster because I mean, it just scares me to the bone. And I think this is a, this is a chilling monster as well. And the way that the monster is employed in the film, in the the reason like. As they will explain, like you'll you'll learn about the monster's appearance and why that is. All that is really good stuff, and it's great horror movie material. So I just wanted to put all that out there up front, and this is why I'm saying that all out front. This film is a really slow burn climb. I mean, this is a two hour and fourteen minute horror film. 
horror fans will know a lot of horror flicks are between 80 to 90 minutes usually. A <laughs> 100 minutes maybe. This is 2 hours and 14 minutes and this thing climbs and builds the whole time. But the thing is, to me the payoff was worth it. I and um <clears throat> I do think it's, you know, as it's climbing and building, I think that the first movie is a little bit superior to this because I think the scares as the first movie was climbing and building I think those were a little more, um, I guess, varied, and this one feels a little bit repetitive, and that's not in a super bad way, because it kind of works on your nerves, Josh, you know what I mean? Because you, you're feeling yeah. uneasy as you're watching this, and you're really worried about what's happening and what's going on, and 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 what I love, and I'm going to say this um, strictly to enhance people's viewing experience of this, like, as this movie is building, you're... Like I was thinking, you know what? I'm I'm just not I'm not that threatened by this situation. Like this isn't that scary to me. I, I just don't know what they're gonna do with this. <laughs> but then they bring it, and it's great. So um, <laughs> I I I really had a great time at this movie. I do think the first film is a tiny bit superior to it, but man, it's close. I mean, for me, uh, this is a seven point five out of ten. I say Ooh. definitely see this in the theater if you're a horror fan and i also think that i mean if you buy the first one you should own the second one but um i think it's worthy of buying but for me personally aside from the monster it's not necessarily something that that i would watch over and over it's not really my genre but because of the slow build and how long it is i don't know that it would be a buy for me personally i think it's buy it quality but um it's hard, Josh. I don't know what to say, whether to rent it or buy it. If you're a Supernatural fan, you know, buy it. If nice. you're not like me, rental. But it's a strong <laughs> rental. So, do you have well, any- it's interesting. I mean, we have two listeners um, who both mentioned the length, and they and they still like the film, but both of them said, oh, it's a little long for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Kagan said he gave it an 8.5 out of 10 and thought it was better than the original. So... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like, I think the monster is better for sure. So cool. I'm loving that. I can't wait for you to see it, Josh and the listeners who haven't seen it yet. Let's reconvene on this, you know, and, um, a future episode sure. and we'll talk about it more in depth. So uh, hopefully with our recommendations and our excitement, everybody will at least see it. And then we could go into spoilers and stuff in the future. I just want to mention one thing that I read in an interview with James Wan. He talked about something scary that happened on the set of The Conjuring. Uh, he said that after hours they were there, some people were shooting, most of the crew had gone home, and Patrick Wilson was there. And at the end of the set, I mean, this was shot on the lot even. It wasn't like they were in an old spooky house or anything. Um, these g- giant drapes were hanging, and they just were swaying back and forth right <laughs> they're moving and i'll let me read what he says is this so is this for the first the filming of the first movie no this is during the sequel okay this the so, conjuring 2 okay yeah it shot on the sound stages at warner brothers studio in burbank california they'd wrapped for the day most of the cast and crew had gone home and only the night crew was there who was in charge of cleaning the set and they saw at the end of the sound stage this is a quote from juan not Juan, James Juan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they saw the end of the soundstage. 
there were these huge curtain drapes. They started swaying on their own, says director James Wan. They just kept moving. None of the doors were opened. The air conditioning was switched off. They just moved on their own. The strange occurrence, which was captured on camera, was shown to Wan by the film's lead actor, Patrick Wilson. And I just watched the video, and Patrick showed me, and this person who was filming just walked right up to the curtain, and he saw the whole thing swaying nonstop, and he goes to look behind the curtain, and there's no one swaying it, and there's no wind in the room. (laughs) So that's cool. That is especially cool because there is a curtain-related scene in this movie, so that's even more scary. So that is from star2.com which is where that story comes from. I love that. And and let me mention one other thing about The Conjuring 2. I almost forgot to talk about this, Josh. One of the things that impressed me most about this film is the um, Ed and Lorraine Warren relationship. There's, um, and I'm trying to think of how to say this, that it won't be off-putting to like horror fans because this is actually a huge compliment. I'm praising it for this. It does have a beautiful love story between these two in this film. Well, should I say what James Wan said in the same interview? Okay, go ahead. He said, I've always wanted to tell a love story, but I'm never going to get a chance to because of who he is as a director. So I have to hide it in a horror film. And he said, that's basically what I tried to do with The Conjuring 2. And it's absolutely true. And it worked. And I credit that. I mean, obviously, James Wan had his mind put to it, but I also want to just give a shout out to Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga because they sell it and you believe it. And Josh, you feel it. And because of that, you're really invested in these characters and in their battle in this film. So it's powerful that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've mentioned to you on Movie Podcast Weekly and maybe here that I've just always wanted to see a movie with a good marriage because you so rarely see that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that would be a cool thing to, to see. Yeah. And now like, it, so if I were nitpicking, like, you know, the reason it's like 7.5 and not quite as good. I mean, it, it, there's contrivance, of course. I mean, like, like most, most movies. I mean, there's, there's, when you get out of this and you're done being scared and you start thinking about it and you're like, huh, like, okay, that's kind of contrived, but you know, whatever, it's a movie. Everybody have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Conjuring 2. 7.5. See it in the theater. And uh, Josh, can't wait for you to check it out. That's really cool. Okay. So we we have more things to talk about as well on this podcast. If you still have time, Josh, because I got a list right here. I'm serious. I've got so many things I want to talk about. I'm excited. I'll keep going as long as the listeners will listen. Uh, okay. I hope so. I hope they're still there. Okay. I want to talk to you about a film that I saw. And I don't know if you got a chance to see this yet, but it's called... What we become. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, you're going to be really happy about this because first of all, this is a Danish film. Comes from Denmark. Nice. Right? So like, aren't those your people or at least people you love? Well, I mean, I do love the Danes, although I think you're mixing up the Dutch and the Danish. But 
I'm sure I am. <laughs> the 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 Netherlands is where I lived, and those are the Dutch people. But the damn yeah. it, okay, close. So I love Danes. That's great. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's where this film. I, and by the way, I just want to apologize to everybody for my ignorance about geography and culture. <laughs> Josh is used to this by now. No, that's that's actually a very common thing for people to mix up. Okay. Time. Well, they're all D words. It's like Denmark, <laughs> Danish, Dutch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just yeah, and Dutch doesn't necessarily sound like it would be from the Netherlands or from Holland. That doesn't. That doesn't. Uh, there you flow go. Very well together. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, straightening me out as usual. But uh, this is what we become here. Oh, man. This is why I'm kind of excited about this movie. I want to tell you guys something. Here we have an infected zombie movie. Now, you heard me take a hard line in the stand in the previous episode about the difference that I felt between infected movies and zombie movies. But no, 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 no. This is the, the victims become infected. They get sick, they die, they're actually dead, and then their corpse reanimates, and they are, you know, biters, basically, yeah. at that point. So, like, so I, I love that, and um, are, they, are they fast? Are they fast? No, they're kind of, like, uh, closer to shambling. They're, like, medium-speed <laughs> zombies. Okay. Just so people know, but what I really appreciate about this film and many people out there probably won't, but this is a little bit Pontypool-esque in that nice. it is more about, Josh, the the beginnings of this situation, how um, the outbreak starts becoming alarming or a problem. We actually don't see, like, we see hardly anything that happens, actually. <laughs> like, um, it's really weird how little we, we see that's happening other than you hear about like these weird occurrences in the community. And then the community becomes quarantined. The government comes in. Okay, this is all... Pr- I'm just... You know, I'm not spoiling anything for people. But I'm just saying... <clears throat> and that's really what this is. This is kind of the dramatic... And I mean like the drama level logistics of like the family being kind of freaked out, everybody being concerned about what's going on. And Josh, most of the movie, I would, I would say like 70% of it is that setup. And I think for a lot of people out there, listeners might think that's a little off putting maybe, but for me, Josh, you, I don't know if you remember this about me, but I'm the guy who loves the scenes like an Armageddon (laughs) where the, the comet starts, you know, hitting the earth a little bit, like pieces of it, and they realize they have a problem, and they sit in this government room, and they try to figure out what they're going to do about the problem. I love those back room planning scenes. Scariest and, environment imaginable. That's, yeah, what I <laughs> that's all I had to say. Yeah, and so that's what I'm talking about here. I mean, this is that kind of setup where, what would you do if you were in this situation? And what's really cool is because... The uh, main characters, I mean, this is focused on a family of four. It's like a little girl, a teenage son, and a mom and dad. And because these characters are so in the dark, and in fact, most of the community is in the dark about what's happening, because of that, Josh, um, we, the viewers, are also in the dark about what's happening. So we kind of share um, their <laughs> being lost at sea in this. Yeah. And, and it's really cool. So... um. This is something that I think is 
worth people's time because of the way that it builds that. And it is, it's another slow burn. I don't know what it is, Josh. Maybe I'm getting more patient in my old age, but um, I, I was very pleased with where this went. Now, I will say, you know, when it gives you an opportunity where you could possibly see something in the beginning of the film, it doesn't show it to you. And I was really worried at that point because I'm like, okay, is this going to be like a wuss film where it doesn't show us anything because he didn't have the budget <laughs> and there's not going to be anything? Well, the last, you know, the last part of the film, probably the last 20 minutes, I would say, because this is only an hour and 25 minutes long. The last 20 minutes shows you some gore. There is one particularly gory and disturbing scene. And this is a very bleak film. So what it lacks or what it doesn't give you during the first hour and five, hour and 10 minutes, it makes up for in how hardcore it is, like where this goes. This goes to some pretty dark places. It is a disturbing film. It's called What We Become. I highly recommend it. Written and directed by Bo Mickelson check it out because I do think it's worth your time nice. and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So is this something you're going to watch, Josh? Absolutely. That sounds right up my alley. And I have to give you uh, props for your review of hidden as well. Like you totally captured my imagination with that last week. I don't know how I feel about this whole infected versus zombie thing. I mean, that's, that's a discussion for another day. Although I guess <laughs> okay. we did do an episode about infected. Yeah, as well. that's but- true. That's true. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, this sounds like something I'd really enjoy a lot. So the, the situation room scene, is that, uh, is that a thing where they're preparing for the disaster or just trying to figure out what the disaster is? Well, it's, um, it, it, it's kind of the latter. I mean, there's not actually a situation room scene. It's just like weird things start happening in their community. And if you were to imagine this happening to you for real, I mean, um, it would, it would be a very similar thing. I think it's done somewhat realistically. I mean, maybe some people out there think that's ridiculous, but, but it it is kind of like, because I do think that if the government started quarantining you and shutting you down, they would just be telling you BS lines to try to get you to like, you know, comply and relax right and that's basically what these people get meanwhile they're thinking they have a bad feeling about this nice and they're they're really trying to like figure out what's happening and that's why i love it but anyway that sounds fun it is fun it's a seven out of ten for me and um the reason i give it a seven is because i i think it could have it could have given us a little more like in the beginning like there's like there's an attack scene or two in the beginning that's like off camera. It doesn't show anything. And they could have done something for us horror fans where you don't have to wait an hour and five or ten minutes, whatever it is, till it gets good. But I, I, I still say it's a, a pretty good rental, and I think you really enjoy it. Now, Josh, I sent cool. you um, – I, I don't know if you saw your email – I emailed you a photograph, and it kind of goes along with this review. Mm. This Let is, me check really quick. I did not see it. This is um, this is pure Frankensteinian episode madness right here. But I'm going to have this in the show notes, too. So if you go to horrormoviepodcast.com. <laughs> okay, you already know where I'm going with this. I love it. You go to horrormoviepodcast.com, everybody. And in the show notes for episode 91 here, you will see a picture of a backyard that is completely overrun with dandelions. Okay. And I'm sure everybody knows what a dandelion is. They're weeds <laughs> that spread very quickly. And we had neighbors 
that's the house next to me that you're seeing all the dandelions in. My yard is the one on the left. And well, these neighbors, they got old, they were elderly, they moved out, their yard fell into disrepair. And um, this is not about lawn care, but um, I have somewhere I'm going with this. Something really chilling kind of happened to me as I noticed this yard like being overtaken. Like if people aren't where they can look at this photo, Josh, describe the photo for people as best you can. Okay, so this photograph looks like it was taken out of your window. Yes. Uh, there's a clear shot of your neighbor's yard with your fence line running through it. You can see kind of the neighborhood you live in. It looks like it might be where uh, Fright Night 2 take place, that kind of a town. Right. That's right. <laughs> and um, on the left, you can see your yard. And your yard looks well kept, uh, shortly trimmed grass. Very few patches of weeds. Yeah, I can see some remnants of weeds. I'm going to be honest there, Jay. I can oh, see you. Yeah. But 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 when you first look at it, your initial th- feeling is like perfectly clean, weedless yard. Right. Left. And a pathetic and, garden, by the way. But anyways. And like terrifyingly overrun dandelion yard on your right. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, there's like, I, I was trying to estimate like, and, and this picture actually doesn't do it justice but you can see waves of like oh, yeah. the dandelions in the different stages. And I was trying to estimate, I'm like, would you say there are 3000 dandelions there? Jeez. I think there's probably way more than that, to be honest. Yeah. My wife's like, there's gotta be 10,000. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at that, but like but, half of them have gone to seed and the other half are bright yellow. Yeah. And it's insane. So, but it occurred to me, I had this like Kyle Bishop moment, Josh, where I was looking at this and I'm like, wow, that right there is exactly how like a zombie outbreak gets out of hand. It gets nuts because if anybody's ever had a dandelion in their yard, I mean, those suckers multiply in an insane way. And so even though this is totally ridiculous, this view is out of my office window where I have um, my podcasting studio. I look out this window all the time. And when I was looking out there, I just kind of got chills because I thought, the zombie uh, zombie outbreak is a real thing in nature. And so <laughs> if it can happen in my own backyard, so to speak, har har, then, oh. then it can happen in real life. I just want people to know, be ready for the zombie outbreak. And you've heard the old saying, good fences make good neighbors. In this case, good fences make good zombie repellent. So that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's true. It's, in case of outbreak, make sure you've got a strong fence. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, check that out and uh, let us know if you have any gardening tips. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Spray your bug spray or your weed spray over the fence. That's my tip. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, um, Josh, there were some trailers that we wanted to discuss. And um, the first one, I'm going to ridicule you for this, Josh, because <laughs> I did watch it. Do you want to talk about yoga hosers? And tell us why you want to talk about this. First of all, you were the <laughs> one that said you want to talk about yoga hosers, dude. I was just, uh, no, I think you initially brought it up. No way. This was on your agenda. You said, let's talk about the yoga hosers trailer. And so I said, well, if we're going to do that, let's at least talk about the 31 trailer and Moose Jaws. Well, we don't have to talk about the yoga hosers trailer because I honestly, I see like almost 0% horror in this. It's like 98% comedy, and from the trailer, I haven't seen the movie, but it looks like terrible, 
comedy, but tell them how this is related to Tusk. Okay, so Kevin Smith, who is a comedy director, was raised on horror movies, uh, but, you know, went down the comedic road for most of his uh, career up until Tusk when he, well, actually up until Red State. And Red State was meant to be his final film, and he made this really gritty, awesome, in my opinion, horror film that centered around a religious cult of sorts, and I thought was really, really strong and much different from him for him. And he basically said, I'm done with movies in which at that time he was going to just uh, focus on podcasting. And you were talking about red state there, right? What did I say? Uh, I don't know that you did say it. Uh, Maybe I misheard you, but yeah, red state from 2011. I love that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Great movie. I wish it had ended supernaturally. I will say, but I did like the movie. No, 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 it's it's perfect, not supernaturally, but go ahead. Sorry. I wanted the supernatural ending. You would. So, so anyway, after years of only podcasting and saying he was done with making movies, he comes back with a vengeance because he wants to make a movie about Wayne Gretzky. And then he decides, okay, I'm not going to make a movie about Wayne Gretzky, but I'm going to make this other hockey movie. And then the hockey movie falls through and turns into a TV show. And before you know it, Kevin Smith's back to his old tricks making movies again. Mm-hmm. The first movie he returns with is a horror film called Tusk. And it's based off of a conversation that he had on his podcast. And you can hear us review Tusk, I think, in several pa- places <laughs> right. um, in the past. I think we talked about it like three times on the show. Yeah, it's a 2014 movie, right? And, you know, I think it's pretty good. It's mostly great, in my opinion. And it's got a few comedic moments that, for me... Uh, ruin the tension and vibe that he had established in the rest of the movie. Yes, but we love the premise. Yeah, and ultimately, I, I like the film. I bought it, right? Right. So I, to find out later that this is going to be part of a trilogy, it was going to be his Great White North trilogy, and he was going to do another film we heard about called Moose Jaws, set in Moose Jaw, Canada, and about a killer moose. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm and, so on board for that. Yeah. IMDB says like Jaws, but with a moose. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but then it was started being talked about the halfway through shooting Tusk. He got this idea for another film called Yoga Hosers that would feature the two young clerks that work at a convenience store, A to Z. And those two young clerks are played by Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter, who are real life best friends from high school. And they wanted to give their daughters a chance to jumpstart their acting careers. And so they gave them these parts of the movie, which ended up turning into a spinoff of their very own film. And in some ways it's a return to Smith's roots because he's doing a movie about clerks uh, but, you know, he promised that this would be tied into that Great North trilogy with Tusk and Moose Jaws. And so ostensibly it would be a horror film. And again, it's based off the concept of something that came up in the podcast. And when I watched the trailer and I remembered what podcast episode this was from, I got really, I was a bit deflated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I know what this story is, having been a, a longtime Smodcast listener, or at least I was years ago when this began. And it's not an interesting story. Oh, and, and the trailer looks abysmal. It's it's literally, Josh, I'm not even just being mean. It, it's seriously one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. Like, as far as appeal to me, yeah, whoa, it's rough. Have you watched the trailer? I have. And it does not appeal to me to the heart of what made Kevin Smith great. Because to me, 
his high watermark is something like chasing Amy. And somewhere along the way, he got into this really slapstick stuff. And, uh, you know, to be fair, Mallrats had its share of slapstick in it too. But when he gets to James, Silent Bob Strike Back, in my opinion, he's kind of gone off the rails. Now, for someone who is a fan of the Viewersk universe, it's still watchable. It's still fun because you're dealing with familiar characters and, and that sort of thing. But when we got into... Red State, when we got into Tusk, I thought, here's a chance for something totally fresh and new from this guy. And the first bad news that I heard was that Jay and Silent Bob were going to be in Moose Jaws, which I'm really bummed out about. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I think it's not only a bad sign for what the tone of Moose Jaws may be to hear that those guys are going to be in it. But also, I just don't want, need any more Jay and Silent Bob. I mean, you know, he talked about doing clerks three that's fine do clerks three but please don't put them in what could otherwise be a great horror movie yes kevin smith and and okay so let me just (laughs) tell me if this represents it yeah when i watched the trailer to yoga hosers and the reason i did it first of all i hated that title but i'm like you know what tusk i liked tusk enough that i will since it's part of a trilogy i will at least see what this is about and I watched the trailer and I'm thinking, okay, what we have here is if Uva Bowl and Quentin Tarantino <laughs> had a bastard child. <laughs> That's what we got here with this Kevin Smith movies because they're really quirky and weird, but also kind of terrible. Do you think that's kind of a good description mm. for that trailer? I Does, mean, I see what you're saying there. I feel like Uva Bull doesn't have any craft. And I think Kevin Smith, at least to a point in his career where he can pull it off. It almost feels like if Adam Sandler and Quentin, you know, made a movie to me because it's like the professionalism is there. It's just not anything I am interested in watching. Right. Yeah. And so I don't even, I mean, I guess the reason why we're talking about this on a horror movie podcast, this trailer is just because of its connection with Tusk. But otherwise, I mean, even though IMDb classifies this as comedy, fantasy, horror, I saw like, I mean, if you watch the trailer, this has like a tiny bit of like a a ghoulies (laughs) blended with gremlins vibe, maybe. Did you see, you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely see what you're talking about. And frankly, you're kind of winning me over because... I absolutely love Gremlins, and so so I'm talking you into this film. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 I don't want to do that. That's not my. Well, listen, what I saw (laughs) so seems like it would be hard for it to be good, right? But if the inspiration for it was something like Ghoulies, and especially if it's something like Gremlins, I'm willing to give it a shot, and I am going to watch this, like especially because I love Tusk, and I'm all in for Moose Jaws. So I'm going to see this movie. I just hope that there's something we're not seeing. I hope that there's something bigger and better that is not shown in the trailer. Because, of course, you know, look, advertising is not always accurate. It's True. not. And so maybe there's a better movie in there somewhere. Well, maybe, but it just. Maybe it, it's a dream sequence. Please let it be a dream sequence. It almost seems like, you know, the worst parts of Tusk. Okay. That's like what this trailer looks like. So I, I yeah. honestly, I doubt I will ever watch the movie itself. And I'm certain I probably won't watch the trailer again either. But if you see it and you try to persuade me otherwise, then maybe I'll give it a chance. But I'm absolutely going to go see it. Okay. And I will review it 
on the show if it's a horror movie, and I will at least talk about it on the show if it's not. And if you want to be brave enough to see it before <laughs> my review, then that would be great. But if not, I understand because I don't watch movies that I know are going to suck most of the time. I will I will watch it in my creepy cellar-like basement in the dark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a joke. Um, Let me also just mention that mm-hmm. this is, sorry, the True North trilogy, not the Great White North trilogy. Okay. Good. I just wanted to correct myself there. All right. Very good. And we were also going to talk about Rob Zombie's 31 trailer. And then before we go into the trailer, did you end up seeing that at Sundance? Because we actually had talked about it. And did you end up going to see it? No, this was a rough year for me. I didn't have a lot of time to see uh, as many movies at Sundance as I would have liked to. I think Kagan saw it, one of our listeners. Yes, he's good at Sundance. Mm -hmm. If anybody did see this and let us know. Yeah, listen what you thought. So I see this is slated for like a September release, supposedly. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm you know what? I'm getting a little bit impatient. I it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but I hate hearing about movies for like three years and being excited about like a great horror movie that's coming for three years and then you know what I mean? Like it's like with the Halloween thing. It's like how many years have we heard there's gonna be another Halloween? It's just it's kind of frustrating. That's okay. true. It is. <laughs> Okay, Josh, so do you want to talk about the Rob Zombie's 31 trailer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting looking at it. It seems like it may be part of the House of a Thousand Corpses Devil's Rejects universe. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell. It seems like it's maybe a prequel about Captain Spaulding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What sense did you get of that? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, It's definitely in that that vein. So if you, if you like the flavor of those films, man, this is right there with it. So yeah, I'm, I totally agree. It looks like it's going to be hardcore. The thing is, and this might be heresy to people, so I'll probably make a lot of people mad, but I'm just wondering, do you think that sometimes it's a little bit too tongue in cheek? I mean, I know the comedy was some of what people really loved about like the devil's rejects and even house of a thousand corpses. But with this one, I, I don't know. I, I still get the sense cause they, they still say these really like in the trailer, they say these lines that are very like arch and, you know, looking at the camera and stuff. And it's like, I almost wish it were grounded a little more in reality and a little less hammy. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like they're definitely, you know, like I was mentioning with James Wan, if I had made the version of the conjuring I wanted, it wouldn't be exactly the same as what he did. But you know, when you have an auteur like James Wan or like Rob Zombie here, you're signing on for their world. And so Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, they're his movies. He can do whatever he wants. He talked about when he, you know, moved on from the Halloween franchise that he had his own stories he wanted to tell. And so I'm interested in seeing what that was, you know, with Lords of Salem, that premise to me was like top 10, my favorite type of movie premise I could imagine when I actually watched the movie. It not only was it nothing I anticipated, but it just didn't even look or feel like what I was hoping for. Right. But it was a Rob Zombie movie. And so this premise, from what I can tell, doesn't interest me that much. (laughs) But I also have learned to not 
you know, expect that I know what I'm getting. Now, as I'm looking here at the cast, Sherry Moon Zombie is playing Charlie, not Baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, like maybe this must be something else, but there seems to be a killer clown at play here. And it looks like the like a kind of a killer is on the road movie like we saw with the devil's reject. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what it is. We're getting it set on Halloween in 1976. According to Wikipedia, it's about a group of carnival workers traveling through the country in an RV on the way to their next venue. Along the way, they're stopped and attacked with only a handful of them left alive. Yeah. So, and, and the sense that I get, okay, from the trailer, I mean, obviously it's going to be more hardcore than this, but it reminds me, it's like a little bit of The Running Man, the Schwarzenegger movie, and it's a little bit of like Death Race, and it's a little bit of like The Condemned. You know, like the whole game aspect of it. It's a game for your life. Yeah, and I don't love, I don't love that premise Hmm, interesting. I've always liked it since, you know, the original telling of that story. I remember reading The Most Dangerous Game, right? Oh, okay. Back in like junior high, middle school, I was fascinated by this idea of man being the ultimate thing to hunt. And that's terrifying. In that Most Dangerous Game setup, I find it really interesting. I remember there was an episode of the old Incredible Hulk television show. You know, where he gets himself into a similar type of situation. Luckily, he can hulk out when he needs to. Right. Um, I think it can be a premise that can be really interesting. I can also imagine it not being done very well. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be very hardcore. I think it's going to give Rob Zombie fans pretty much exactly what they're looking for. But um I don't know. I yeah. I mean, I, I'll definitely see it, and I have been anxious because I think killer clowns are a really cool concept, and I'm I'm into that. So yeah, I'm I mean, not. A, I don't know if I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan. Like he's someone that I really appreciate that he's out there, and but I don't know if he's my favorite guy. I mean, I, my favorite film of his is the Halloween remake by a long shot. It's yeah. my favorite film of his. Um, by leaps and bounds. Secondly, I probably appreciate most the Devil's Rejects because right. I'm so impressed by the way it's shot. Yeah, and and he handles it. But I'm not really a fan of any of the other movies. Like other than the first Halloween, there's not a movie that I would put in regularly to watch because they're so grating to me. And even Halloween is so grating. <laughs> Those scenes it, at the beginning with the family. It really is. I agree. But yeah, I'm with you. That'd probably be my order too. Halloween, then Devil's Rejects, and House of a Thousand Corpses. I like that one as well. And and I always forget that Rain Wilson is in that, but that's... <laughs> oh, yeah, he's so funny in it. I thought you were a big House of a Thousand Corpses fan, actually. I, I do like it. I mean, I, I like it a lot. But I mean, if I'm doing The Order, yeah, probably the Halloween remake because of the reality that it's set in. Now, I think you, you might be thinking of Greg Amortis. Greg Amortis is like over the moon about that. And, and Dr. Shock even, he what he used to do before Trick or Treat came out... He used to do the night before Halloween, he'd watch House of a Thousand Corpses. And then the next day on Halloween, he'd watch The Devil's Rejects. That was his annual tradition, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's a, it's kind of intended to be a modern Texas Chainsaw. I think that's probably another reason I just assumed you liked it. But Yeah, well, I do like it, but I'm not like as over the moon. I mean, I remember Greg Amortis, he put it in his like um, top 10 of the decade 
for the aughts, you know, for horror movies. Well, so. We're going to be talking horror docs soon on the show, but I just a little preview of that. If you have not seen, if you like making of documentaries, if you want to learn about the craft of filmmaking, <laughs> there's probably not a better behind the scenes ever made than the one of the devil's rejects. I agree. It's so good. I mean, it's so thorough uh, behind the scenes. It's incredible. I like the Halloween one as well from the first Halloween movie, but the devil's rejects probably takes it. I, I have to agree with you on that, but, but I will say I haven't seen as many of those I'm sure as you have, but uh, yeah, I agree. A lot of them are just like BS about how we're all a family and we all got along so well. And what a pleasure and an honor to work with this person. This movie really, and there's some of that in it too, to be honest, but there's this movie really puts you in the, Oh, this is what it's like to work on a set every day. And it goes day by day. I don't, it skips days, but it's like day one, day three. And it shows you what they did that day. And it's, it feels having worked on a lot of sets and like menial (laughs) crew jobs when I was, coming up like nothing to me has felt more like working on a movie set than watching the double. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So th- th- that's 31. And then we also wanted to talk about, I know that, um, one who's gotten a lot of mention on this episode. Um, yeah, it's like the Juan show. I know what's going on. So <laughs> I know he's excited about this and I was excited about this when I first heard the premise, but on Netflix, there's a, a show called Stranger Things. It's a TV series. I guess it premieres, what, July 15th? So that's coming up. And uh, Yeah, and the article that I saw compared it to if Steven Spielberg and Stephen King made a television series, this would be it. And I'm like, whew, and that, I'm all in. That's exciting. I agree. Um, but okay. And then the premise, I'll just read the premise. And if you watch the trailer, you'll get this too. When a young boy disappears, his mother must confront terrifying forces in order to get him back. Right. And that's like, you know, one of the scariest possible things you could imagine. Mm -hmm. But when I watched the trailer, Josh, man, was I saddened by what I saw because this thing looks so polished and, it's so TV like it is TV. I know. And I just, I don't like TV basically. <laughs> well, the thing you know is the problem with this TV series. What's it wrong? Too much like television. <laughs> what's wrong? With, here's the thing. I love the look and feel of true detective. For example, that's TV, the wires, TV, breaking bads, TV, all that's incredible. This thing looks. Where do you think of the Netflix budgets and the HBO budgets compared to one another? It doesn't necessarily have to do with budgets to me. Like, oh, I, well, that's a big part of it. I'm sure True Detective is one of the most expensive television shows ever made. Well, for example, like you love Brick. Okay. How, how much money do you think that sucker cost to make? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's and it looks, certain filmmakers have the ability to to harness this kind of like lived in gritty reality that others can't, but look, mm-hmm. it's a TV show. And honestly, when I'm thinking about a Steven Spielberg, Stephen King TV show, I'm not expecting it to look good. Like, have you seen the TV shows made about Stephen King's films? <laughs> we were talking about storm of the century early on. It looks better than storm of the century. I mean, if I think about Stephen King or Steven Spielberg's television shows, like, 
uh, the amazing, what was that called? The uh, amazing stories. Yeah. And, and in fact, I'm glad you know what that is and mentioned that because I was going to say that, but I'm like, nobody's going to know what amazing stories is. Yeah. Like from, a feel good Twilight Zone kind of thing. It is like a feel good Twilight Zone. That's exactly how to describe it. That's from like 1985 ish. Um, and that's exactly what this looks like. It looks like amazing stories. And I'm like, Come on, man. Because that's exactly as advertised. I mean, that's perfect. And that's what bugs me, though, because it's kind of a dark. I mean, that's a dark premise, you know? Yeah. But I mean, to me, this whole thing is a throwback. It looks like it's set in late 70s, early 80s. There's kids in like windbreakers riding BMX bikes around or banana bike seat bikes around or whatever they are. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kids with flashlights running around in the dark. Like, that's what I want. And you know, they're talking about Steven Spielberg and Stephen King. It feels like it's from that era. It feels like it would be, you know, Twin Peaks. It feels like it would be Twilight Zone. It feels like it would be amazing stories. And that's exactly what I, I'm hoping for. So, all right. Well, you and Juan will have to let me know if it's any good. And then maybe I'll try it out. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Josh, I understand that you have some kind of a, <laughs> a trivia game as a challenge. Like, what is this that you got for me? Okay, so there's a horror trivia game. Name that horror movie. It's from HowStuffWorks.com, which is a podcast, by the way, that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. The HowStuffWorks podcast. Uh, this was posted by a listener to the show. Uh, shout out to Elizabeth, who posted this. And I took this quiz. I got 19 out of 20. Elizabeth says she got 20 out of 20. So now Jay of the Dead. I better not take see. this. We're going to see how he does on it. No, I have the worst memory. I'm being serious. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty easy for horror fans, honestly. I, Which will make it even worse <laughs> if I miss stuff. That's so, this is so, I'm just relishing in this right now. Because all these all this times on the show, Jay always is like, hey, you guys know this random trivia that I looked up and you guys have no idea what I'm about to say. And now you have to show that you have no idea. So this is great. I finally have the power. Jay, okay, here we go. <laughs> Twenty questions about horror movies. What? What are that? So, do I got to answer fast or or what? No, no, it's not. It's nothing like that. You're basically you're gonna get a description, and then if you want, I can give you multiple choice. I will say we get you, you get an extra point if you don't need the multiple choice. Wow. Okay. okay. There's actually thirty questions. My bad. <laughs> it's also, it's even harder than you said it was. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Okay. More chances to get it right. All right. A troubled teen is shunned by her peers and tormented by her religious zealot mother. Everything seems to be going well until a cruel prank and some violent telekinetic powers make for an unforgettable prom night. Carrie. Boom. See? Easy, right? Yeah, right. You're just setting me up. I'm just going in order. You're actually taking the quiz right now online. A masked killer is picking off teens one by one, but these teens grew up watching horror movies, so they know all the tropes and cliches and use them to predict the killer's next move. (laughs) Scream. Boom. Two for two. Newlyweds move into an apartment where the pregnant wife is tormented by terrifying dreams. She she soon learns everyone in her life is part of a satanic cult manipulating her and her unborn. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Rosemary's baby. (laughs) Nice. Dang. Just spoil that for everybody. All right. I'll try to only maybe I'll read the there's two sentence descriptions of each of these. I'll only read the first one unless you need more. Well, no, I I, know because um. So far, so good. Just go ahead and spoil it. <laughs> a rogue great white shark is devouring swimmers, but the mayor won't close the beach because it's touristy. <laughs> Jaws. Boom. Okay. 
A young woman enrolls at a dance academy, but is plagued by bizarre events and disappearances. Oh, that must be the most boring movie ever. Suspiria. (laughs) (laughs) A family moves into a nice suburban house, but inexplicable events culminate in their young daughter vanishing, her voice calling out from the television. (laughs) Poltergeist. Yes. See, don't you just feel better about yourself taking this? You're like, oh yeah, I got no, some horror. You're cred. you're setting me up right now. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly get... not, dude. I'm, okay. I swear. To you. <laughs> right. I told you it was easy. What? And listeners, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Listeners, please play along with us. Yeah, well, test yourselves. They're gonna make fun of me in a minute. I know it. I have a terrible memory. It's it's embarrassing. But go mm-hmm. ahead. You're doing great. A writer brings his family to a hotel in the mountains, where they will be caretakers and sole occupants for the winter. The Shining. Yes. A man summons other dimensional creatures by solving a puzzle box. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is um that is a uh, Hellraiser. Yeah. Mhm. A serial killer is kidnapping and killing young women and the only way to catch him is with the help of another serial killer, one who is known for eating human flesh and is currently in prison. Oh, I'm not 100% sure that's a horror film, but The Silence <laughs> of the Lambs, best picture. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I know, I'm just messing. A group of strangers is trapped in a farmhouse when the dead inexplicably come back to life and start eating people. Oh, night of the living dead. Yes. Night. This is fun, Josh, so far. A child molesting serial killer is burned to death by angry parents. (laughs) A nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I want to give you credit because I for the last little while, I've only been reading one of the lines of the two line descriptions. And at no point during this, have I been giving you the three multiple choice possibilities? Oh, okay. Thanks. That's nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean you're doing it on the harder level. You're doing advanced. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, Jay of the dead. So now, a group of friends traveling in a van runs afoul of a degenerate <laughs> family, including the son who wears a mask made of human skin. The best horror movie ever made the texas chainsaw massacre oh okay i think this one's the best but here we go an (laughs) antarctic research station is infiltrated by an alien creature that infects human hosts perfectly imitating them until it transforms into a horrifying monster john carpenter's the thing wow look at that with the (laughs) jeopardy answer to make sure he gets the point (laughs) thanks a young man suspects that this new next door neighbor is a vampire. Oh man, that's fright night. You got it. Mm-hmm. A child murders his sister and is placed in a mental hospital. 15 years later, he escapes and returns <laughs> to his hometown to terrorize and murder people. Halloween. Oh, here we go. A man murders women, removing certain body parts to be placed in a cauldron of blood that will be served at a birthday party. Oh, oh is is that um I can give you more. Okay, I can do more. This gruesome ritual will bring about the resurrection of the goddess Ishtar. Now, I can also give you three multiple choice questions here. Oh, 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 oh. this is a blood feast? You got it. Okay. A priest is brought in to help a young girl who is apparently possessed by a demon. The Exorcist. There you go, your favorite movie. No. <laughs> a group of figurines, including Blade, Jester, Pinhead, and Leech Woman, <laughs> animated by an Egyptian spell terrorize and murder a group of people who are seeking the secrets of immortality (laughs) puppet master that's the one i missed guys that's the one i missed the grotesque count orloff 
Turns out to be a vampire who emerges from his coffin, a bizarre misshapen beast that drains blood and exerts mental control over his victims. Nosferatu. Aren't these great descriptions, though? Like, if we were yeah. reviewing the films and that was the introduction, I'd be like, wow, Jay really nailed it on that. Yeah, they're incredible. Like, yes. An investigator visits an island where a girl has gone missing. Okay. More? Yeah, give me a little bit more. Just make sure. I think I know what it is, but. The islanders claim she never existed and shock the man with their liber- libertine ways. <laughs> Some more? I'm torn between two because it's actually similar to two different movies. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. Okay. He finds the girl is still alive and to be sacrificed, but the Islanders sacrifice the man instead. More? No, I see. I'm I'm thinking it is uh, the serpent and the rainbow, but it also, it reminds me a little bit of zombie from zombie two. Let me give you the rest of this and I'll give you the multiple choice. Okay. I'm not going to count this against you because you, if you were actually taking this quiz, you would have more information than you have now. Oh, okay. Burning him alive in effigy made of reeds and grass. Now, your options are Carnival of Souls, and now the screaming starts, and The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay here we go. The crew of a spaceship, Nostromo. Okay. <laughs> Alien. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I don't think I've ever pronounced that before. Only a few humans are left after Earth has been taken over by zombies. The humans gather in an abandoned shopping mall. <laughs> Dawn of the dead. Yes. A monster survives an attempt by villagers to destroy him. He eventually encounters a scientist who wishes to create a mate for the monster. Oh, that. So that would be uh, the bride of Frankenstein. Correct. Mm hmm. A writer moves into a home where a family was previously murdered. Ooh, this is this is a newer one. That's sinister, right? You got it. A disfigured man, his face disguised by a prosthetic replica, exacts revenge on those he believes are responsible for his wife's death. Want more? A little bit more. Murdering them with elaborate schemes based on the ten biblical p- plagues. Oh wow, that's um. Is that is that a newer film? No. I, this sounds very familiar, though. This, is this that Vincent Price one? Um, it will be. <laughs> give me more. Give me more. Okay, here are your three choices. Okay. I Monster, Crucible of Terror, or The Abominable Mr. Phoebes. The Abominable Mr. Phoebes. You got it. Yeah. Okay. A woman hosts a party on an island for her friends, but they're killed off one by one with deadly pranks. <laughs> Oh, okay. April Fool's Day. Wow, that was great, Jay. Thank you. I I, I was holding a lot back on and, that. And one. I and I promise everybody I'm not cheating. Although it crossed my mind, I was so now that nervous I knew at the what beginning. the website was. I know I should have told you that, I, but I didn't. I almost looked it up, but I'm like, nah. I'll tr- I'll give it a whirl. A family moves into a home in which the prior family was murdered. Supernatural events in the house drive away a priest and drastically change the personality of the husband. Got to tie into tonight's review. Yeah, yeah, it it, it sounds very familiar. Hmm. <laughs> this is uh, Amityville Horror. Yes, you got it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And which is based on a case of... Uh, the Warrens. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's- An undead killer wearing a hockey mask rides a boat <laughs> to New York City. <laughs> and that really is all what the description says. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's Jason takes Manhattan. Jason takes a boat. <laughs> that's hilarious. Friday the 13th, part eight. A sinister corporation is selling Halloween masks to children that will kill them when they see a particular television commercial. <laughs> Halloween three <laughs> season of the witch. Nice. <laughs> okay. A reporter. This is your last question, by the way, Jay, you're 29 for 29. Really? You, you gave me that one. Cause I, I did give a wrong answer earlier on the wicker man, but no, you didn't. Oh, you didn't okay. get it because again, if you were actually taking the quiz, oh, you would have okay. had all that information. Well, that's very generous of you. I've been giving you the harder version. Okay, okay. Cool. okay, cool. A reporter whose wife recently died finds himself drawn to a hot town in West Virginia. In West Virginia. Yeah. 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 Now see, I know. I, I think I know, but just a little bit more. He and the other residents encounter a strange creature. Wait, 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 wait. There's more. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But I want to come on, West Virginia, dude. I know, I know, I know. You're gonna know it after I say this. Okay. The bridge over the Ohio River collapses, killing <laughs> 36 people. The Mothman prophecies. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. All right, dude. 30 for 30. <sighs> just like ESPN. <laughs> that, that. Just like it. That's funny. That was. That was. Uh. It was it was scary to do it. It wasn't that it was challenging. It was just scary because I'm like, if I miss like Halloween or something, everybody's gonna freak out and I'm gonna get kicked off my show. So like, I miss Puppet Master. I I was pretty ashamed of that. But. Well, I mean, how often does one revisit Puppet Master? Let's I was be like honest. Pinhead. It must be Hellraiser. Then I'm like, <laughs> Hellraiser's not one of the options. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, thank you for that. That was really fun. Absolutely. Um, do you I, have time for? another really quick one. This one's way shorter than that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is inspired by green room. This is actually lifted straight from another podcast called ask me another, which is an NPR podcast. And Jeremy Saulnier, the director of green room was on that podcast with Aliyah Shawcott, who is the maybe from arrested development. Oh, okay, cool. And this is a game called this, that, or the other in which you're trying to determine, I'm going to give you a word and you determine whether it is a, a punk rock band, B, a scary movie, or C, a figure figure skating terminology. Wow. <laughs> I'm okay. going to be terrible in the punk rock band. Well, arena. this is this is actually um really hard. Like I I my father-in-law played this for me. He's like, "Oh, you're the perfect person to do this with punk rock bands and and horror movies." And then I didn't get any of them right. <laughs> so, oh, really? Okay. Okay. Let's see how I do. Okay. The first one is Deadmate. Is it a punk band, a scary movie, or a figure skating term? Deadmate. Uh, that sounds. Oh, that's the figure skating angle is really funny, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, it sounds like a punk band to me. That is a scary movie. It's a 1988 film about a woman who marries an undertaker. Wow. I need to check that was, one out, right? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Death Drop. That is a figure skating term. Ding, 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 ding. Correct. Okay. Hanging woman. <laughs> that's, oh boy. <laughs> that's gotta be, it, it's amazing how it could be any of the three. <laughs> this is an impressive quiz, I have to say. Yeah, it's fun, right? I don't even know which one. I, it's so, I'm so like at odds with any of it. Um, Let's say a uh, punk rock band. It's a scary movie. Hanging it's woman. Spanish Italian film 
Um, it's originally called Orgy of the Dead, maybe connected with the Ed Wood film of that same name. Uh, it's currently released by Troma, and you can get it for $4.99 at the Troma shop. It's called The Hanging Woman. If it's Troma, no thanks. No, I mean, it was, it was originally an Italian film, a 70s Italian film. So I'm, I'm just messing with the Troma people out there. Yeah, the Troma just has the distribution rights. Okay, uh, okay gotcha. Um, Kiss and Cry. Oh, that sounds like a punk band. That is a figure skating term. Oh, really? That is when, uh, after they've finished the ice skating and they stand there waiting for their scores, mm-hmm. they call that the kiss and cry because they either celebrate or cry as their scores are coming in. Okay. Two-inch astronaut. <laughs> That's a punk band. That is. And finally, Mohawk turn. Uh, punk band? Figure skating terminology. Wow. Jay, you have failed the Ask Me Another quiz, but it was a noble effort. Yeah, that was very hard. <laughs> I failed it as well. I thought that was kind of fun. Though. That was very fun. I really liked that. And if you are a fan of like quiz NPR t- style shows like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Ask Me Another is a fun one. And yeah, they have sometimes have filmmakers like Jeremy Solnier on. So. Very cool. Okay, well, thank you, Wolfman Josh. That was a blast. And um, before we wrap up josh we also wanted to just send our our well wishes and our condolences out to the people in orlando yeah what did you have to say about that sir i mean it's just a tragedy and there are different kind of theories about who and why and you know the last report that i read um the culprit was someone who had actually been attending these clubs and been on certain uh sites you know relating to that community and so was apparently someone who was closeted and lashing out because they didn't feel comfortable with maybe their own feelings and it's just really sad and so i i hate to see something like that and i hate that 49 50 people had to die and many more injured because uh of a mental health situation i think to a larger degree so uh, it's sad. It's real life horror. It's more horrific and unwelcome than anything you know we could talk about on the show. And yeah, I, I you know we talked about horror fans being creepy earlier on. I, I hope that everyone is uh, watching responsibly and in no way, uh, you know, obviously do we condone just because you like a good bloodbath in a film that that should anyway translate to real life. It's it's pretend. It's for uh, you know, it's for entertainment or for you know scares you know exactly it's not something that uh it's it's a true truly tragic situation that i hope you know we'll never see repeated yeah absolutely i'm i back you 100 percent, and our thoughts are with those people the the victims especially their families yeah they're surviving yeah it's awful and one more now which now seems totally minor in comparison but a, a woman did pass away Lois Duncan she was a young adult fiction writer who wrote a lot of suspense you know thriller novels um probably best known is one called I know what you did last summer that mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson eventually turned into his film in, in a way and she did one called Locked in Time uh, shout out to Angie Book Girl on Twitter uh, who notified us of the, her passing. And I know there are a lot of fans of our show that 
probably grew up reading stuff like that. You know, we talked about video store nostalgia a lot on this. It's something we come back to a lot for me. Book order nostalgia rivals that as well. I remember just being a kid getting whatever the latest thriller ghost story book was and being so excited ordering my books on book order and the day they would show up and taking them home and reading them. I read a lot of this kind of cheesy young adult ghost stories when I was a kid. And so because you did so much of that, I'm really expecting to see some horror films from from your filmmaking career in the future. <laughs> well, <laughs> cuz you've been hope to not disappoint. You have been bred to do this, I think. I mean, this is in your blood. So I I've got a few more documentaries I need to make first, but I will tease that I am making a what I hope will be a legitimate horror documentary. So we'll see if that can can work out. Um that's that's my goal and after that who knows where it might take me. So oh man, I hope that comes through. So anyway, <laughs> that, uh, you got me really excited about that. Okay, well, I just want to uh, take a m- quick moment to thank uh, the people who contribute and donate the Horror Movie Podcast. I said in our previous episode, a lot of times uh, I'm really good since Movie Podcast Weekly is a weekly show. It's easier for me to remember sometimes to just get all the names in there each week. But I know, like, for example, um, Shawnee Constant. Sean from Detroit says, Viva la Horror Movie Podcast. Hope to see you all in Indiana in September. Nice. I want to thank Sean, Shawnee, for the generous donation. And Lee in Canada, he uh, is from Stonewall, Manitoba, Canada. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank um, all the way from Singapore, Joshua, Tan Tiong Chai. So I hope I pronounced your name correctly, but uh, thank you all those who support us. And especially, so cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, some international um, donations there. And I just want to thank everybody who continues to support us and our awesome community, even when we are weird with you. Right, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to be weird anymore, everybody. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I, I, everyone else is going to be punished, by the way, because of the way I handled this. So, from this point on, I'm kind of taking like a more uh, standoffish approach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's really funny. Um, actually, the the most interesting thing. So when when you listeners, when you end up meeting Josh in person, and I've said this before, Josh, and this is probably me being weird, but Josh looks m- like a celebrity. It's so weird. You look like a famous person. You have that famous person look to you. What? And it really bugs me. No, like not in the bad way, but I'm like, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Carl is like that a little bit. But like, for example, Andy or me, we're just like average Joes. But well, you, Andy is getting buff. Holy crap. Yeah, he's working on it. But but you look famous. So well, good. anyway, that's cool. So... I think that's it for episode 91, this Frankensteinian crazy episode of Horror Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. We hope you all give a shout out to Dr. Shock over there on DVDinfatuation.com. You can leave comments on his blog and just send him your well wishes. He's also on Twitter at DVDinfatuation. And Josh, what plugs do you have, sir? Well, again, I think we should link to your interview with Dave in the show notes, and people should definitely give that a listen. It's a lot of fun, and we'll make up for Dave not being on the show this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Chris Excess. Even though it wasn't actually directed at me, he posted on Twitter his 
journal entries where he recorded every review you guys did on the weekly horror movie podcast. <laughs> it is insane. Like it's got every movie that you guys did. And then like a chart where it has each of you listed by name and then the rating you gave each film. So if I wanted to, let me look at it right now. See what you guys all rated the evil dead. I can see Jay gave it an 8.5, Correct. A 10. Or if I want to look at Queen of the Damned, for instance, which you talked about on the last show, <laughs> Jay gave it a four. Dr. Shock gave it a 2.5. So that's really cool. And I'll put those pictures of Chris's also in the show notes. But it's cool to see his log of just his love for what you created. And we just appreciate listeners like Chris. So shout out to Chris Access. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Icarus Arts. I have another podcast where I do movies that are streaming online. Uh, it's moviestreamcast.com or on Twitter at moviestreamcast. And we just appreciate your comments. And you can find me on all actually social media at Icarus Arts. So I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook at Icarus Arts. And I think I've got like Vine and Snapchat too, but I don't use those. Okay. <laughs> That was hilarious. And uh, for me, I just hope people will check out Movie Podcast Weekly. Uh, We are almost at episode 200 of that show. And in fact, over here on Horror Movie Podcast, Josh, we are approaching episode 100. So we need to start thinking about something special we can do for that, Josh. Yeah. So anyways. Maybe a meetup. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we could do that. So that's moviepodcastweekly.com. I'd love it if you check it out. Of course, we uh, welcome those who have not been involved yet in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You know, chime in on the message boards because it's actually very fun. I think you'll enjoy yourselves. Um, You can find the show notes there at horrormoviepodcast.com. They do get long and unwieldy. That's what she said. And uh, we'd love to hear from you because we're very mature, obviously, with our middle finger emojis. And that's what she said, comments. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. And you can always email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find all of our episodes, including the back catalog of the weekly horror movie podcast. That's 26 episodes and Horror Metropolis 10 episodes at horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com, and that will be linked in the show notes. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, help spread the word about Horror Movie Podcast like Jody is doing in Toledo. (laughs) We would love it. Thank you so much for your support there. So I think that's it for episode 91. We thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.